Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Seeds of Triumph podcast. We are all about helping service members navigate through the difficult and challenging experiences that come with serving in the military. Here on Seeds of Triumph, we will discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as provide several resources, techniques, and coping mechanisms that can be used every day to instill overall toughness, wellness, and resiliency into our military force. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy what we have to provide. Welcome to Seeds of Triumph. Today, our guest speaker is retired Petty Officer First Class, Jason Phillips. Hello, Jason. Go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. Hi. How's it going? I am Petty Officer First Class, retired uh, Phillips. Uh, I had multiple jobs in the Navy. I started as an undesignated seaman and then went to a pers- uh, personal specialist. And then from there, I went to, uh, uh, actually, well, te- well, technically, to kind of rewind that a little bit, technically... I went from undesignated to a postal clerk to master arms to a per, uh, personnel man to a personal specialist to a CTR. And that's when, when I was a CTR, that's where like everything kind of just stayed the way, way it was. And that was my naval career in, in a very small nutshell. So you ended as a CTR. So you experienced life on what a ship a sub i've experienced life throughout the navy in all like in a lot of different facets right so i, I went from deck which were uh which a lot of people like to give you know a lot of crap for for people in deck you know they, they kind of treat it as like a derogatory type of environment and whatnot or like some kind of like you know misbehaving misfits and stuff like that because like one of the things i used always pissed me off is that when somebody would get in trouble they would threaten them saying oh we're gonna send you to deck like, but well, okay, what's about the people who are currently already in deck? Deck is a department that handles like the maintenance, the overall uh, preservation of the ship. They handle like the n- needle gunning, painting of the ship, uh, line handling. They do all the line handling stuff. They drive the boat. They stand up lookout watches and whatnot. And that's that's the majority of their job as a undesignated seaman. So you were undes and you worked on deck. So I'm assuming that you were on a ship at the time, like a baby sailor, like maybe like E2, E3, right? Straight to the ship as an E3. Wow. Okay. I got I got I got I got married totally. No, actually, before right before I joined, my recruiter did some paperwork stuff, whatever, saying I got six people recruited with me, and so they they brought me into boot camp as an E2. Okay. But within within boot camp, I got meritorious advance to E3. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. Was that hard? Like, was that quite an adjustment? Like, you know. Uh, it, it was my first time away from home for a very long time. And uh, I'm not going to lie, like, for the for first week and a half, it was, it was, it was trippy. You know, I lived, at, I lived at home. I didn't have a job. I was, like, you know, just did high school. I, did, I was a typical high schooler. And then when I left, it was just, like, having people yelling in my face and and doing stuff on my own essentially quote unquote like on my own but my dad he was probably in the navy and my father-in-law at the time ex-father-in-law i guess you could say but uh and they warned me about what's going to happen when i first joined they told me like oh this is going to happen this is this is this is how it's going to be like when you join yeah so i was i was prepared like they, they gave me like a good mindset of what what to be like ready for and whatnot um yeah, to get ready for boot camp and, and the Navy in general, like what's going like what's going to happen. I was like, okay, 
but you know it was still tough it was still like a new weird adjustment and i want to say like after like the third week yeah it was just it was just it was pretty easy but it was my first time experiencing life of other human beings that are from across the, the nation that were completely different so i'm from i'm from up north and from the south because like i grew up as a child in my childhood up in jersey city like in the Jersey area. So I got like the Jersey street smarts, but then when I was like, you know, like around nine o'clock at nine o'clock around nine, I moved down to Florida. So now I got that Southern twang to my, my mentality as well too. So now I got the, the Northern street smarts moved to the Southern hospitality street smarts. So I kind of like, so I kind of know both worlds per se, but when you join the Navy, it's a melting pot. So now you meet all different kinds yeah. of aspects of people and like, you know, mm-hmm. there were different walks of life and whatnot. And it's just, yeah, uh, I think that's one of diversity and right. Meeting new people is one of the positives and, and being in the military is, is especially right out of high school. Um, but that can also come with some struggles, you know? So you, <clears throat> you joined the Navy right after high school and you were undes and you showed up to your first, ship after boot camp and what did you face any struggles like i guess adapting to that type of lifestyle like i'm sure you never slept in in a bed that was so small or in a birthing with like a hundred other men and and all that honestly i honestly i just kind of sleep but i kind of treated like the whole sleeping part i kind of treated like summer camp i never you know what's so crazy i never been to summer camp but there was tv shows i used to watch as a kid on disney that had like all these summer camp tv shows of all the kids going to summer camp i was like oh i always wanted to do that so like the whole mindset of sleeping other people in the same room didn't really bother me but it was like you're sleeping at work and then like your work is in the middle of the ocean and my class of ship was, was an AOE, which is auxiliary's fast attack, uh, fast attack uh, supplier. So we basically was a floating Walmart. Wherever somebody needed us, we had to be there. Okay. And so the op tempo was ridiculous. And we like, and we had like you know food on like storage for food, fuel, uh, water, supplies, mail, all that. We had like all that stuff. And on a, on on our ship, had our ship. Now this is just just a little fun fact, but it never happened. But if we had a full amount of payload and full amount of everything decked out on the ship with everything like maxed out, if we were to blow up, we would cause a 15, a 15 mile radius blast radius or some crap like that. And I was like, when people said that to me, I was like, when I was, you know, a young little Padawan, I was like, Oh, that's, that's gnarly. At least I won't feel anything. But like, did that also bring with it kind of like a sense of pride? Like, wow, I'm on this ship that is really important to the Navy's mission. So not going to lie. At my younger, in your younger years of youth, you don't really feel that. Yeah. You don't really feel that the whole like, what am I doing here? Like, my, how am I like? You don't really feel like important because at the t- again at the time I was just an E three. I'm over here just chipping paint and whatnot, and I'm just doing my job. I'm literally just doing my job. Yeah. Uh, I, I was surrounded by people that was the typical first seventy t- two hours type people who were constantly like getting in trouble. Um, I mean, that's not, not, not to say included with deck. I'm talking about like across the board, the entire ship. There's always like those other junior sailors and other departments that were just, you know, baby kids can't get rights. And <laughs> I'm not gonna say I stayed away from them, but it wasn't just my cup of tea. Like I kind of gravitated to more gravitated towards more people who carry themselves in a better manner. Like they kind of like, they can be chill at work, but at the same time, they, you know, to listen to them when they say some stuff, you know? I kind of gravitated to like look up to people more like that while I was when I was younger in. But I did I did I did have my fair share of, you know, I was a seaman, you know, I had my fair share of, of troubles. 
So then after you, um, you know, did your undesignated thing, when you striked a rate, you said you went to PS? Uh, PN. So personnel man was what a PS was before the merger. It was PMs and DKs, dispersing okay. clerks. person clerks kind of physically handled the money and personnel man did the paperwork for the money. And so the Navy was like, well, why don't we just combine the two and just make it easier? And then that's what happened. And I'm and like, I became a PN and like literally like a year later, they merged it together and now I'm a PS. So okay. that's what happened with that. So uh, how, how long were you in the Navy at this point? Um, I want to say that was my year and a half mark, maybe year and a half mark, two year mark, I think. Okay, so you didn't do the the un, undoes thing for too long. All right, so how long did you do the um the PS thing, and and at what point did you move to I guess a shore duty or so, another platform? So, the whole PS thing, the rating closed up really bad when we, when we merged. Nobody was advancing. I'm talking about people were scoring like 70s on the test with EPE vowels, and they're still missing like third class and second class by like ninety thousand points. Um, oh wow. Luckily, I didn't want. I want to say I think it was my third year in. It was either my third year or my sixth year in. I made third. No, it wasn't my third year. And no, it was my sixth year in. I'm sorry, it was my third year in. My third year in is when I finally made third. Yeah, it was 2006. It was it was 2006 when I made third in September because I, I remember I remember getting that like little certificate whatever. Uh, and I was on at that time. Now I'm on the USS Enterprise, which was a floating ship, like not floating, pff, floating ship. It was a floating city. It had like, over 5,000 people on it. And when I worked customer service at the window as a personnel specialist, I saw somebody new every day on deployment. It was a nine month long deployment, and I saw a new face every day for deployment. It was it was just gnarly. It was just crazy. Like you just hardly you barely see the same people over and over again, unless they work in that area and they have to take that route. But I got I've gotten lost on that ship. I want to say like at least fifteen times. Crazy. I almost started crying. Like bull, like knowing the bullseyes wasn't helping it. It wasn't helping. I don't know. The, it's not. I'm lost. Where am I at? I need an adult. So then you mentioned a lot of other ratings like uh, MA and I, I don't know what else you said. PC. Personal clerk. Okay. Okay. So you did that, and then you switch over to CTR, which was yeah. the rate that you were when you retired from the Navy. Yeah. All right. So. so Go ahead. No, based, oh, so just real quick about the PS the PS situation. I I was I, every time I took the advancement exam, I wasn't I wasn't making you know making rank, and I was a third class at the time. And then like I knew how your tenure was coming up pretty pretty slowly. Uh, and something that somebody taught me at a very young age in my naval career is no one else is going to care more about your career than yourself. People okay. people can people can preach to you all day like oh I'm going to help you do this I'm going to help you do that, which is fine because they might actually do it. But they're gonna do it kind of on their time, where you might need something done. Like, oh no, I mean, like I need this stuff done, like done like promptly, and they don't have to bend over backwards to help you out, especially if they, especially if they're not in your work center or you know, or they're not a mentor or nothing like that. It's just like if they choose to be like, a good shipmate, yeah, they can help out. But is it really ultimately ultimately their responsibility? Nah, that's 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 that depends. Depends on the situation. Well, for me, uh, I was getting you know I was coming on the cusp of a higher tenure. So I had to make some kind of decision about what I was going to do for my career. So that's why I, that's when I decided to convert. But I didn't have the test scores. Like my ASVAB was like, I'm not going to say, but my ASVAB scores was not, you know, not great. So I retook the ASVAB after I went to uh, ASVAB school for a month. Uh, and then that, that day I graduated, I went to go take the ASVAB um, test over. And the next week I get the results. And then boom, I qualify for certain rates. 
with a, a two-point waiver. And then I will never forget this happened. I'm gonna say this, I'm just gonna say this real quick, and I never forget how this happened. I came back, I contacted the the ECM for PSs and the ECM for those of you who don't know, enlisted control manager. I contacted both of them for the PS and CTR. It's two master chiefs. And I told them my full story. I said, hey, I want to stay in the Navy. I'm a good sailor. I don't get in trouble, but I'm about to get kicked out. Is there any way I can just streamline my conversion package straight to you and not go through bupers? Like, I just want to do this. Like, can I kind of just give it straight to you? And I told him the full story and everything. And he's like, no shit, mate. I got you. Fax it on over. Yes, we used fax back then. Shut your face. We used faxes back then. Google it if you don't know what the heck it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway, so I sent my I sent my package over and like within I want to say a couple of days I was approved for CTR conversion. With like literally a couple of days, it usually takes like nine months. I was approved in a couple of days. Now the other problem was I was mm-hmm. still on orders at my current duty station at PSD Norfolk, uh, PSD Norfolk afloat in Virginia. I was still I was supposed to be there for another year and a half still. But the de- like uh, Master Chief called me and like, hey. You want to talk to detail right now about leaving? I was like, sure. And then Senior Chief Lawrence, I think her name was, she called me and said, hey, when do you want to leave? I was like, can I leave in a couple weeks? And he's like, yeah, sure. Come on, you can go to CTRA school in a couple weeks. I was like, word? And then actually, you know, a week later, I had orders to CTRA school. And I was still under contract, well, like orders to be at PSD afloat. I took those orders and I went to my chief and my chief knew I was a clown. She knows I play around too much. She knows I'm a practical joker. She knows, you know, I don't take a lot of, you know, it was whatever. So I slid the orders on her desk and I said, hey, chief, I was letting you know, I got to do a pass down because I'm about to go leave to go see TRA school. And she's like, boy, get out of my office. I was like, okay. So I walked back, go to my desk. And as soon as my butt touched the seat, all I hear is, Phillips, get in my office. I was like, oh God, here we go. Here we go. It's go, it's go time. So she thought I drafted up the orders, like, you know, I made it up or whatever. And then next, you know, we go into the CMC's office and they put me at attention and they're screaming at my face and all this other stuff. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, and it was like, you know, you, you know, you messed up by making some fake orders. I was like, all you got to do is verify the viewer's orders number. You know, it's not fake, but they thought I, they thought I did it because, you know, PSs, we know how to do some, you know, we know how to do some stuff. But anyway, besides the point. So we went, we went straight to the OIC, which is, you know, the, our department head, essentially. And we walk in there. They're, they're screaming like, I can hear them screaming while I'm outside the door at parade rest. They call me in there. The ORC immediately asked me, say, hey, are these orders legit? I was like, yes. He's like, why did you do this? I was like, because I'm going to get kicked out the Navy and I need to convert so I can make rank so I can stay in the Navy. He's like, did you have any support from your chain of command? I was like, no. He's like, did you tell your chain of command? I was like, yes. And they told me they weren't going to help me. So I did it myself without them, without their, without their support. Every little thing I did, I did on my own without the no one in my chain command support. Not one signature was needed because I went straight to the ECM instead. I just went straight outside, outside, outside their their, uh, their assistance, and then boom. It sounds like you had to fend for yourself, right? Like you had to, yeah, look up the policies and the ways to do it, and you went ahead and made it happen. Basically, that's, that's like awesome. the the, the, the policies and all that stuff is going to be your best friend if you know how to read it. If you yeah. know how to like, you know. Be, be proactive and do stuff for yourself and that's basically sure. that's basically what happened for sure all right so so now you're a ctr awesome uh you go to a school you um are now a ctr and then what 
They send my behind right back to another gosh darn ship. I don't, I don't never stay on sea, uh, shore duty, man. I was at that shore duty billet for like uh, maybe a year. Maybe. I was supposed to be there for three years. I was there for maybe a year. And prior to that, I was in Misawa, Japan and got kicked out of there because my, ex, my ex-wife at the time was improperly screened. But without shore duty, and we got kicked out of there because they found out she wasn't supposed to be there. So now I'm back. Basically, I'm back on the ship. I was like, man, ain't this some bull ass? Like, I ain't supposed to be enjoying my time on shore duty, but here I am, back on the ship. Mm-hmm. So there's that. A destroyer. USS Roosevelt DDG-80. How did you deal with that? Like, was that a was that a tough time, or you just was kind of like, I guess this is what I got to do, so I'm going to do it? So prior to deployment, now this is, this, hear me out. Prior to deployment, everything was fine. Like, okay, I just, I just sucked it up. You know, I'm back on another ship. It's whatever. Uh, we're going through uh, what's the what's the one I'm looking for? Not fast cruise. What is it? We're going through inserve. We went to inserve. Anybody who's been on the ship, ship, they know what inserve is, and they know that shit is it's bad. It's bad. Like dang near like sixty percent of the people who are married on the ship damn near go through a divorce for because of inserve because we don't we just don't because we home. You mean it's like it's a lot of work, a lot of man hours. Like oh like- yeah, it's a lot of man hours because it's just it's just so much stuff that we have to do in preparation for the ship to be ready to, you know, to go deploy. Yeah. Right. And if the moment something breaks, we all screwed. Mm -hmm. Like if something breaks in engineering, nope, we all stay in here because something broke in engineering type stuff. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hours and preparation that go into inserve. Uh, so that, so we was, we was going through that and, um, I was still, I was still doing good. Uh, but the climate that I was now involved with is completely different because I went from deck in deck, we like you know we bunch of we were, we're just a bunch of baby kids in deck. We kind of just like uh, doing doing hard physical labor kind of changes the mentality of who you are, right? Because you kind of got you kind of get loosey goosey. You want to like party, you work hard, you party hard type stuff, or whatever, right? And in, a, in an administrative field, you want to be mm-hmm. professional. You always want to have to present yourself in a clean uniform and you know talk to people you know respectfully and your military bearing is like on point. But then I get into the cryptologic intel world. And it's like um, socially awkwardness, I guess. I guess you could say, uh, and entitlement. Um, definitely entitlement was my first. My first. I could say. I could probably say my very first perception of it was entitlement because I would never forget. As uh, I just because I just made CTR two, and we, we we came in and work one day. It was like six o'clock in the morning, and I'll never forget. Like the other eight people that was in there, I would never forget. The chief walked in there. And say, hey, if you guys do sweepers, you guys can go home for the rest of the day. It was 8.15 when she said that. I just came from deck and admin. Our working hours were from like 5 in the morning to like 7, 7, 7.30 type stuff on a good day. This woman said, you can go home at 8.15 and all we had to do is do sweepers of a small P-way here and there. And that was it. I'm over here running to grab the... I'm like, I'm like, I'm like... I'm like running to grab a broom, but then when I turn around to see everybody else, everyone's like, man, I don't want to do this. Well, like, I lost it. I'm like, if y'all don't get your asses up right now so I can go home, oh man, I lost it. Right. They didn't know they didn't know how good exactly. they were. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just because they, they instantly was in that entitled position or whatever. They just don't know, like, you don't know how like in a good position that we had it right now to do stuff like that. Right. It could always be worse. Um, okay. So, wow. So you, you've done a lot in your Navy career. You've experienced a whole different, 
you know, a, a bunch of ratings, um, you know, a bunch of different platforms. Now you're on your ship as a CTR. So I know because I know you that you've also done subs. So tell us about your experience on subs, because I know a lot of people either hate it or love it, or people may be nervous about going to sub duty in the future. I'm not gonna lie, I was cocky. I was cocky. I'm, I'll admit this. I did I did three ships, right? Three ships, three deployments on three ships, and I'd done small little de- like little workups and deployment, like not mini deployments, like little you know, like uh these exercises called Com 2X on other ships, cause I went TAD on other ships, whatever, right? So I got a lot of sea time on me. I got a lot of experience. Okay, so yeah, like I was saying, like I was very just big headed because like I oh man. Pfft. I got Odyssey time. I know, I know, you know, everything about anything ship related, like the back of my hand. So I'm thinking when I go to sub duty, which which I didn't want to do, but it was the closest duty station to Florida that I can get to stay as close to Florida as I can possibly get. So that means not only did I go to the ship when I, you know, technically wasn't supposed to, I'm best I'm basically going right back to sea duty. But it's just direct support. Why did you want to stay near Florida? Was that because that's where you were from? It was it was it was most it was mostly family like family reasons and oh, whatnot okay. and plus and plus it's like you know it's just yeah it's where I'm from basically right um, but yeah so uh, when I get to Durst the Durst up shop in Nyack um, Nyack Georgia Fort Gordon we do a whole bunch of training and all that sort of stuff and then we do a thing called a workup a workup is when you go out to out, got to sea for like three to five days on a on a sub it's only it's only for three to five days but they do it to test you out to make sure you don't lose your like lose your mind. And because apparently that does happen. Apparently people go out there and they just lose their mind. And what do you mean? Because like you're in, you're in an enclosed tight, tight compartment and you're going 700 fathoms underneath the ocean. And um, the best way I can describe that is if you see that movie, if anybody's seen that movie down Periscope, there's a lot of truth to that movie. Like I literally seen the string situation where you take they take a piece of string and they t- they they tape it to uh, each side of the bulkhead on each opposite side port port and starboard, and the further you go, the loose that string gets. That's not supposed to happen. Like like, 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 like normally I don't see that because I'm a surface dweller. Yeah, it's like the the, the sub is best. You know the pressure from the ocean is like you know is is causing that, and I've seen it. Yeah. Wow. So you guys are in like really close quarters then. So like claustrophobia would be a real thing. Oh yeah. So yes, that's, that's another thing thing too. And I'm not, I'm not going to legally say that I lied about that when I had to do my sub screening that when it, when the medical doctor said, Hey, are you claustrophobic? I, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I answered the question. Um, Sure. Yeah. yeah, Long story short. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, that presents its own challenge in itself because, yeah, because I, w- I wanted to do it. I want to say I, I want to say I did it. And me being another another reason why I really want to do sub duty is because I'm a, I'm a, I've been a master helmsman on every ship I've ever been on. For a master helmsman, for those who don't know, is basically like the Don Toretto of driving U.S. warships. Right? You are the you are the go to person to drive the ship. And I always told myself I want to drive a submarine. I want to get qualified to drive a submarine. So I can say I've driven every, almost every naval vessel in the Navy. And yeah, so that's another reason why I wanted to do it. But besides, besides the point. So uh, yeah, so we get on a sub and everyone's shoulder to shoulder. It's shoulder to shoulder. It is very tight, very small, very, very compact. 
and it was something new to me. And what's also new is new to me is that you don't see the sun. You don't see the sun. Uh, you uh, have barely no privacy. You're sharing a rack with someone. There's some people sharing a rack with three people. So I always share a rack with one other person, but other people share a rack with three people. Like you mean like a rack is a bed, right? And you're yeah. sharing it. Not like y'all are all sleeping in the bed at one time, but like y'all are all rotating on this same Correct. mattress. Correct. Wow. Because wow. like we had, I mean, they had to make sure they're on opposite schedules in order so like you know they don't disturb each other. And like once you get out your rack, you better grab everything you need because whoever's gonna get in that rack, you're done. You're like you ain't you ain't getting uh, no. So if you got your glasses, you're done. So you don't really have any personal space, like any no. really place to call your own. No, not at all. Oof, that's crazy. So so is it, but hey, the pay is good. Okay, so the, all right. The pay the pay is good, which 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 was another driving motivation for me because the way pay the way the pay system works on the submarine is the longer you've been in the navy, you get a higher you get a higher sub pay, right? And then the the more sea time you have, you get a higher sea pay time. Okay. So I was already maxed out for sea pay. And at the time, I was at my twelve year mark, twelve year mark for, for sub pay. So I was getting a fat check just on, this on this on for the side pay alone. Okay, so the money made it a little bit more manageable. Oh heck yeah, I did. All right, so wow, you have had a lot of experience on surface platforms, submarine platforms, in various different job fields. So. I'm sure you've encountered, especially joining the Navy right out of high school, some adversity, right? So I want to get into, you know, you sharing your personal seeds of triumph for the podcast and our and our audience and just kind of, you know, share some, some really significant um, seeds, right? That stuff that you went through and share with us how you overcame that um, and how you were able to triumph through it. Um, I'm gonna give you one. It's this one. I'm I'm like I'm gonna focus more on the cryptologic side of it. Okay. But I'm gonna give you. I'm just gonna give you like maybe one or two examples. Of one happened when I was in deck, and maybe like one in admin, because okay. each 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 department was kind of different. You mm-hmm. had to handle things differently in each department, and but the overall theme I kind of did with everything I'd done in the entire navy, I kind of made it into like a competition or some kind of game. I had like. Okay. Do, to, do, to do something distracting to make it fun because sometimes you're going to do stuff that you don't want to do but yep. how can you pass the time like how can you get it done but still enjoy it at the same time yeah uh there was a, there was a situation where we was told um when i was in deck department that we had to paint the entire side of the ship and it was only three of us so three people had to paint the entire side of the starboard side of the ship and I was like, "That's freaking insane! How do you like? Wait, wait, are, you, are you serious right now? We're only three people. You need about you need about eleven to twelve, but there's only three of us. Um, so we was on the paint float, and we were just kind of like, you know, just like everybody's kind of a little upset that with the fact that we had to do this by ourselves. But instead of being like upset about it, because either way, you still got to get the job done. What I started to do was I kind of said, "Oh man, I bet you, you know." It's basically, that's just childish, kind of trivial type of you know nitpicking—not nitpicking, but like uh, teasing. I was like, "Oh man, I bet you I can get my section done before you can, and I don't have to do no re no like, rework. I don't have to go back to repaint that one spot, whatever." And I was talking trash about their painting skills, and then saying like, "Oh man, is that the best way you can do it? Is this, is this, is this what we're doing now? We're gonna be here all day. We keep doing that." And when yeah. when I did that, that kind of motivated them to do a little bit better. It's like now they want to talk trash to me. But we're getting work done because now we kind of distracted ourselves from the jo- the fact that it's a job, and now we're just competing against each other. So right. now we're like rushing to get it done, 
all the while we're getting it done and we're like we're knocking out the park now without even realizing we're doing work we don't want to do because mm-hmm. it's like it was kind of unfair that we, we was put in a position but right. we made it into like a fun game right oh, all right yeah that's good uh so for admin uh you know what i can like you know what? I, I would say something more of like an um as a young sailor situation that you have to deal with a toxic leadership mm. right uh, and I, I made it, I guess you could say I made it, I made it fun, but, uh, was, I'm, I'll explain. So we had a first class who was in charge of the customer, customer service office and nobody liked him. Nobody liked him. When I first met him, he kind of was a jerk. He's very stern and straight to the point. And like, anytime you try to do something, go use a head or take a break or whatever. He was always like, you got two minutes or like, he's very, he's just, he was just very, he was a jerk. He was a jerk. And I was asking everybody else, like the other second classes, the third classes, like, yo, why is he like that? Like, what's going on? I was like, man, we don't know. We just kind of work here. I was like, okay, well, that's weird. So my job when I first got there on the USS Enterprise, CVN 65, my first job when I first got there was to file paperwork back when we still had physical service records. So I was, I was filing page 13s. And it was page 13s as tall as my head, stacked against the bulkhead, all along the bulkhead that no one filed. I just, they just completely ne- neglected it. And that was my sole job when I got there. And he told me if I finish like half a stack a day, I can leave type stuff. Well, it was just very long, tedious work. I didn't do no administrative work for like a good like seven months. I just filed paperwork. But every so often when I worked behind a curtain and like in front of the curtains where his desk was at, I would, po- I would poke my head out and I would say something to him like, hey, did you catch the, the Cincinnati game versus like, you know, the Buffalo Bills? He's like, get back to work. I was like, okay, well, check, check that yeah, off. That didn't that work. Didn't work. <laughs> And then I'm like, and then, and then like the next next day, I was like, okay, what else? I was like, oh man, I love playing Mario Kart, but you know, I, was, I would say something like video game related, and I put my head out. I was like, hey, do you, do you play Mario Kart? Yo, are you a friend of Yoshi or name like that? He's like, get back to work. I'm like, God, I mean, gosh dang, like, what can I do? I got I got to find something. So I'm being, I bring up music, I bring up movies, I bring all this other stuff, whatever, right? But the one thing that triggered him, I finally caught him, was Star Wars. I mentioned something about Star Wars, and he pulled the curtain back. He's like, what you know about Emperor Palpatine? I was like, yes, got you, got you. Because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So I just started wrapping off all the Star Wars knowledge, as much, as much knowledge as I possibly can. He stopped what he was doing, and we just chatted. We actually had a, com- a normal conversation now. I was like, oh, you're just a nerd like everybody else, but we had to figure out what your nerd quirk was. That's all it was. So you saw that, you know, this, this toxic leader, quote unquote, was creating this toxic work environment and really kind of bringing morale down because he was so just like set in his ways and maybe just so robotic or, you know, unpersonable. So you decided that you were going to, regardless of, you know, what you were going through, try to like, like relate to him and, and get him comfortable um, talking to you. Basically, basically because like, it was like the whole office. It was professional. Like you know, he didn't. He never did anything unprofessional. Mm-hmm. But it was just very stagnant and very like just low. Like yeah, low morale and energy like, in there. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, the, the, yeah. Basically, yeah, the morale wasn't there. But the moment we all kind of figured, okay, now it's stars because I, you know, I, I figured it out. Whatever, I eventually code that crap. And then he started being like a little more, you know, open about himself. He started like you know, embracing the, the new things. Yeah. Yeah, and it and and completely changed the climate of the office. And now. Cause we had three work centers. We had the customer service, we had receipts, and we had ESO. And now, all of a sudden, customer service was like the place to be. 
like it was chilling and it now we closing like we closing like the office early the C, the, the CSS is bringing us fresh chicken wings and cookies we over here having like Xbox gamma gaming halo nights or whatever all because now he's kind of like he opened himself up now but it all did is take some a little bit of understanding and some like some patience that's all that's all it was Ariel's gave up everybody's like nah screw this man yeah yeah right that's awesome yeah um, but anyway, but so it's like so in the cryptologic world, I have met this wonderful man named Jimmy Fredrickson. And as soon as I probably said that name, some people probably gonna know who the hell he is because he's like he is actually pretty popular. He actually he actually is pretty popular because this dude is amazing. He is a he is a such a great guy, such a great human being. I still talk to him every day. We've been talking since like 2011. We still talk to this day. A great dude. Um he uh he taught me a lot of stuff about being CTR. I had no idea what I was doing. I was kind of thrown in the fire when I when I first got to the ship as a as a E. I got there as an E four and I made E five like a couple months later. Um, but I was instantly got thrown in the fire to be qualified as a CTR oh, to do stuff. Oh yeah. So let me break this down for our listeners. Okay. So that was you just brought up something that I think a lot of people can relate to is like constantly especially in your case, having to adapt to a new setting, a new situation, a new group of people to work for. And now here you are, you know, you had to score higher on your ASVAB for this in this completely different community, right? As a CTR and the information warfare community, you're, yeah, you're, you're met with a very big challenge, right? Cause now you have to figure out how to adapt into this new world. So you found somebody, whether you found them or they or, or they just came to you, right? Maybe because of fate, somebody that you can lean on for support, right? You said that he um, taught you all you needed to know about being a CTR. So yeah, just talk about for the audience, like, like what you needed, you know, to be able to adjust uh, to these, you know, tough situations. So for particularly for me, uh, he and I, right? He and I actually got there like, around the same time. He was supposed to take over as LPO for the work center. And he got there like a month prior to me. And then when I got there, there was like, I want to say like nine or 10 people within the work center who are junior sailors like myself. Got within, to your first, your first tour as a CTR when you got this to much, my first tour. This is my first tour okay. as a CTR, but my third ship, PCS afloat okay, ship. But got each it, ship yeah. I've ever been on, I've been in different rating. Like a different job, basically. And it's my basically right. my third ship, third job. Um, but when I got there, like I said, there was other, you know, other CTR, there's other CTR two, CTR threes, but there's only one CTR one and one IT one, IT one, but he's about to leave. And when I got there, the rest of like the CTRs and CTMs, well, besides one CTM, he was cool, he's cool. But the other CTRs are kind of like they didn't care. They just wanted they didn't care to be there and all this other stuff. And it was just kind of like very very different from what I'm used to. And as much as I tried to like, kind of like get some kind of like um, camaraderie going on or just like have everybody being uh, engaging with each other. So we worked as a team type stuff. It was, it was very hard to do, but Fred had my back. Like he was, he was all He was actually all about that. He's like, so he and I kind of lean on each other to kind of lead the oh, way. Yeah. You showed up and morale was low. So yeah. you said, instead of, Instead of focusing on me and adjusting, here I am on this new platform with this new group of people, and I see they're struggling. So how can I bring them up? Basically. Okay. Cool. But you like, it's easy to preach it, but you got you got to you know 
you gotta practice what you preach type stuff. So, so like if you're gonna say something, you gotta show actions behind it. So right. like another thing we would have to do is uh shore patrol, right? So every time we go like every time we go out to sea, we gotta do we gotta do a thing called shore patrol or line handling. But the shore patrol is what you basically go out to the pier and you have to disconnect all the power cables from the shore that powers up the ship and all that stuff. So the ship can run on its auto, like its own powered source of you know electricity and power or whatever, right? But they need an all hands working party to do that. And that's when it, everybody is required to go out there and like manhandle these cables, whatever. And so I always try, like, every time they call it out, I was like, oh, let's go. And like, I try to, like, you know, clap them up, whatever. And I was like, hey, you got this. And I do like some kind of like football like, slapping on the, on the shoulders. I like, I rub the, I rub the heads or whatever. But so yeah, we try to do as much motivation as we could possibly do and like, you know, get these people like out there to like just enjoy it. And then we were just like, you know, we were singing, we tried singing songs. Like, like was that one song? What's that? Oh, was that one song? Midas Cyrus just came out. Like, I got my hands up playing that song, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever we could do, just like to pass the time, whatever, right? But my my go to song, by the way, is uh, for non blondes, you know, what's going on? And I said, hey, anyway, yeah, that was my go to. But anyway, but yeah, so like we just we just things like that that was so distracting. Yeah. That would just take your focus off the job because it's going to be a crappy job you don't want to do, but just do something while we're doing it and it's being completely distracted, but in a safe way because you don't want to be like super contract distracted while doing like you know a dangerous evolution and actually know something bad happens. The sense of togetherness, yeah. right, helps all of you guys come out of this situation mm-hmm. that just sucked, yeah. right? The sense of togetherness that you were able to bring. Yeah, that that's um, great. That could be really, really effective. Yeah. And we, we started we, like after 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 some time, our sets became like a very tight n- unit. We, we did we did yeah. wind up becoming like very tight, whatever. Uh, but there were some issues that did occur. Uh, cause like cause like we kind of got thrown into the fire about a lot of different things because there were people who got kicked out for disciplinary reasons, people who were up on a contract who didn't want to renew it because they hate the navy so much, blah 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 stuff like that. Um, so we started to get short staffed, and then that's where things started getting a little bit too real because now we got to do all these workups and all these like, you know, deployments, like, uh, like yeah, basically workups and exercises out, out the sea, but now we're short staffed. And so again, so, so again, I wasn't a qualified supervisor type CTR cause I was just, I was still new wet behind the ears. And Fred was the only qualified CTR on the ship at the time because all the other CTRs were gone. So now Fred pretty much like told me, he's like, Hey man, you got to get qualified. And like, I don't think is even logically, like, like even like realistically possible, but we had to do it. Like, so we just like, so we went out, we went out, like, we went out to, to see, to prepare for it. He was over here training me on his watch time and I'm losing sleep on my watch time, on my off time. Cause I'm like up during his watch time to learn more and he's going to sleep and he wakes up early to come back on my watch time to train me up some more. It was just like a piggybacking, like just like over and over and over again. And I can honestly say, one of the main reasons that kept us sane was the TV show, The Office. He and I are huge fans of the TV show, The Office. So we would have The Office playing on in background while we trying to like, you know, focus and work. But we take, we would take like maybe like a two minute break, watch the stupid scene from The Office, laugh about it and go right back to work. Because we just had we had to we had to turn and burn. We had to. I had to get qualified and I had to know what I was doing. And yeah, it's, it's, it sucked. It did but, it but did suck. I'm not, I'm not, I can't front. Better, right? So him uh, being there for 
you and being yeah. willing to teach you yeah. and show you the ropes made it a lot better because had you not had him, it probably would have been a lot harder for you to get done what you need to do. Absolutely. 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 Like everything, everything we did, we tried to do like a, like a, like a, we, we made jokes about mm-hmm. it. Cause he's, he's pretty jovial like myself. Um, so I'm very fortunate for him. And then, uh, once more, like the new, like, you know, transfers came in for the new CTRs, whatever, we immediately got them like roped in. Like we didn't like shun them. We didn't like, you know, say like, we like, Oh, we're, we're the senior guys here. Like, you guys are just like your know, little younglings, well, and like they know your family or immediately, immediately your family like type that, stuff. Especially when they're new, can can create a negative working environment. So, yeah. and and it, shouldn't, and it shouldn't be like and it shouldn't be like that. Up. That should not be the case. Yeah, everybody, everybody should be embraced right? like a family because they don't know know what they don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of people like to do the whole stump the chump thing, and to those people. Have a nice day. Have, have a nice day. Because sometimes people just don't know things, right? The people sometimes people just don't know things, or they forgot. It's it's people are people are human. It's okay. It's okay to to ask questions. It's okay to be wrong about something. Just make sure like you educate yourself, or be or help someone, or help someone that needs to be educated. But don't be a jerk about it. Right. Right. Yeah, because you never know what they're going through outside of exactly. You know the task at hand. So no, that's good. So you, yeah. So you've been met with lots of adversity, right? And the biggest theme, like I had said earlier is being able to adapt and not only being able to adapt, but seeing, you know, recognizing that other people need a positive light, you know? And so you were able to adapt by using your, your, your personality and your, your um, extrovertedness and your, you know, your your understanding of the importance of, of teamwork and and unity and coming together. And so you were able to overcome these challenges by bringing everybody on board with you to be happy, increase morale, work as a team and just understand, you know, have everyone understand that, hey, we're all in this together. And as long as we support each other, everything's going to be okay. We can get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And not everybody works under the same, like not everyone's it's easy to, you know, bring into the fold. Yeah. That's as cool. like every, every cause each individual person is like, you know, exactly that an individual person. Yep. Uh, everyone's not the same. Right. So yes, I may be ext- extroverted and whatnot, but there's people who are introverted who don't want like the loudness or like all that stuff in the face. And I would have a prime example for that. I'm about to share right now because I have a mouth on me. I'm trying to really, I'm trying really hard to, you know, to hold my bad mouth right now as we on this po- podcast. But I cuss a whole lot, and everybody knows that. Everybody calls me the baby little Samuel Jackson. I cuss a lot. One of my favorite, you know, cuss words is MF, MFer, all the time for everything, for every little thing. I will never forget that there was a CTI three. This is back when I was CTR, C- yeah, still CTR two Phillips on in Niagara, Georgia, back when I was on subs. And I was like, I was addressing a group of people and I was saying mother effort this, mother effort that, whatever. But people, majority of them, they understood like as not directed towards them. I'm just saying it out loud yeah. as a general, as a general whole. It's your personality. Whatever, right? <laughs> it's, it is. It's my personality. Life in the military has been good for me. Like as at, I'm at my 12 year mark, I think I want to say now. And everything's been great. Like I have, I have dealt with stuff, but me or my personality have, has helped me 
to help others, which essentially turned around to help me because creating like a nice work environment and having everybody like, you know, copacetic and just, just, just chilling and being, just being decent human beings while we do this job, whether the, whatever job it may be, whether it's me school or something like very uh, tasking or just something crazy, uh, it's been great. But then uh, tragedy happened for myself, per, me personally. Um, while deployed, I got a Dear John letter. I got a Dear John while on deployment. And what's even crazy about that particular Dear John letter was the fact- Explain what a Dear John letter is. I don't know if I'm familiar with that terminology. So a Dear John letter basically is like a divorce a, a divorce statement saying like, you know, you're getting like, you're basically getting a divorce. Okay. Right? Because uh, I've been, been married the whole time. So I haven't, I haven't brought it up, but like, I was married I was married the whole time. Okay. Um, right, high school sweethearts. And we've been together like since like our junior year in high school, right? Uh, so at the 12 year mark, I was on the, I was on deployment in March of September. No, I'm sorry, March, 2014. And we was on deployment and the people who I was deployed with and radio again, that building that whole team cohesion every day I come in the radio. We're just like, you know, shooting, you're shooting the crap, doing all this crazy antics. I come in there and start, start joking around to everyone and make sure I do specific joking rounds of each specific person. I know how they can handle it, whatever. Right. But one day. I noticed when I walked in there that one of the main people who work at radio, he kind of was kind of like being like off of me. I was like, oh, maybe something's personally going on with him. Right. But then I noticed the next person on shift was the exact same way. And I started to know the pattern between like three people. They knew something you didn't know. Exactly. They knew something I didn't know, but I didn't pick up on that. I just thought something like bad happened at the command because as a, as a direct support writer, I'm not privy to that information, like what's going on at the command. I just do my job, right? My sole job is to do CTR work, whereas they got to worry about the sub and everything else. So they finally so, told you what was going on. So, so what happened was the day that we pull in because they're not allowed to, because they're not allowed to disclose this information to you because oh. they don't know what, what happened while we still deployed. The day that we pulled in to, uh, I, well, I can't say what we, I, I don't think I can say what so, we like, this was but, in the form of an email, and they, like, screen, yeah. they screen stuff for the protection of the people on board. So they knew Correct. what was going on, because that was their job to screen these messages, yeah. and they didn't want to. They wanna, found a week. Yeah, they didn't want to. Yeah, they found a week. Oh, so go ahead. They didn't want to tell you, because out of fear that it, it could bring you down. So they waited Wait. until you pulled into port, instead of being underway to deliver the news. So the three people who knew was one first class and two second classes. Uh-huh. And then of course the senior leadership, the senior leadership, you know, I don't, you know, they, they always, they always have some kind of like weird, like stoic type of, you know, sure. uh, way about being about the side. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that, but I did pick up on the first class and the two other second classes, because again, we was like always playing around. Mm-hmm. And when I come in there, like I said, I like to have like, you know, a fun environment, yeah. but all that stuff went the, it went the, it was, Mm-hmm. It didn't happen mm-hmm. for like a solid week. Mm-hmm. And I thought something bad happened on the ship. But like I said, the day we pulled in, it was a cob, the chief of the boat. Mm-hmm. He was a master chief. Mm-hmm. He he and uh, my chief from my uh, my command call, came in the radio and said, hey, Phyllis, we need you to come down to the chief's mess. Immediately, I thought, oh, snap, what did I do? I thought I I thought I did something CTR related yeah. that I wasn't supposed to do. Yeah. I said, oh, my God, I'm going to mass. <laughs> I'm going to Fort Leavenworth. Oh, my God, did I do something yeah. I wasn't supposed to do? Did I bring some classification code? I was losing, I was losing right. my crap, losing it. I walk in there. It is like seven chiefs in there. Uh, it's like, yeah, the whole, almost an entire chiefs mess. I mean, this, 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 this is how I kind of have more respect for them too, because this has happened before, but normally when it does happen, it's usually just 
one chief and a cop. Okay. But for this particular situ- situation, it was like almost an entire chief's mess. Yeah, because so, why so they rallied together for you. Yeah, because I made because like I had that you know that that uh a relationship that report with everybody with yeah, yeah yeah with, with all of them because like I try to I like I said I try to get along with everyone and I don't care what your rank is I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna be cool but I respect your rank but yeah. we're gonna be cool no yeah, yeah. you know I told you this several times Phil like you have a very infectious personality and you're very fun to be around so I totally yeah. believe that so I sat there on a like I sat there in a cheese mess. And the cop slides a piece of paper to me and he said, hey, man, I need you to read that. And I had my cover on. I was still in uniform. I had my cover on me. My cover was kind of like cocked to the top of my head a little bit, kind of like, like, it was, yeah. Anyway, I was reading it. And the first thing I saw was your stuff is in the car. Your friend Matt packed your car. Um, there'll be some paperwork for you to sign when you get home. And I'm just reading it on and on and on and on and on. And I just, it, just, it just suddenly hit me like, oh, this is, div- this is like a divorce email. So I, then I take my hat and I kind of like lower my I, I lower my head and I'm still reading it and after I get done reading it I read it again and then the cop's like hey man take your time so I read it again for a second time and then my chief goes hey so we have a ticket waiting for you you fly out tomorrow uh, you need to go home and handle this you know this, this is a, this is a, a sad situation we we really wish it this this didn't happen uh, and the first thing I, the first thing I say is like I'm not fucking leaving. And like I know, I'm sorry for the vulgarity, but I'm just saying exactly what happened. I pulled a Wolf of Wall Street on them. I was like, I'm not fucking leaving. And it's like, he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I was like, I'm going to come here. I'm going to stay here, and I'm complete the mission. So they wanted to send because, you home because of that letter. They were worried about you. Yeah, they want they wanted to send me home because you know they're worried about my mental health, and it was like they was generally worried about me because yeah. like, they was like really really worried about me. But I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not effing leaving. So. I had to fight that. I had to fight them to keep me on mission because I knew if I left, the mission was going to go to crap. Mm. It was. It literally was. Because I already knew who was back home on standby, and there was nobody there to do what I was doing. So and you, it just so happens. Okay. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so you prioritized, like, the mission over what you were going through. So you kind of, like, had to suppress those feelings at the time. Yeah, because I because I I knew that what I had going on home was important. I knew I knew it was, but I also knew that particularly what I was doing at that time, we had people we had people going to the White House because of the work we was doing. You know what I'm saying? So the but fact that your mission was very purposeful and impactful allowed you to kind of get through that rough moment and just kind of keep trucking on, so that you didn't have to deal with what was going on at home at the time. Base, basically, because yeah. I, I didn't, I, me personally, I didn't want to face it yet. And at the yeah. same time, I didn't want to hurt my shop yeah. because it would, it would have been, it would, it would be a hindrance on the shop. And you would have had that guilt. Like said, yeah, you would have had that guilt yeah. with you if you had left. So yeah, but 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 one, but one could also say like, well, if I go home, like, like but I was also thinking like, whatever, if I go home, because like I'm saying that paperwork was like, mm-hmm. there is no talking. Mm-hmm. It was like not, there was like no talk about it or blah 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 blah. Like everything was outlined in detail right. in the sense of like it, it wasn't even talking about the, the nature behind the divorce. It was just like, hey, your stuff will be here. You have a barracks room set up by the best chief, yeah. at, uh, blah, blah, blah. It was very structured. So it didn't say going anything back about home would have, been, would have been completely different. So that could have been yeah. another stressor in itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I decided I decide to focus on work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. after begging and pleading, the, the cob went to the CEO and told him, "Hey, Pedro Phillips staying here." And even the CEO was like, "Wait, what?" And the CEO was like, 
well, if he's really going, if he's super convinced, fine, screw it. That night, I went to a Drake concert. <laughs> I, <laughs> I went to a Drake concert because Drake was playing there, and I was like, I was like, really in my head. I said, like, you know what, Drake is here. I'm going to the Drake concert, and it's, it just so happens that there was another there was another sailor with me who got the same letter from my girlfriend. Now, hold on, let me, let me, let me print this out from my girlfriend. Which right. still fa- valid sure. feelings. Yeah, yeah. Valid, valid feelings that he's known her for six months. Valid feelings mm-hmm. versus my twelve months year year marriage. Okay, I get it. But he needed me. Yeah. When I, and when I say he, when I say he needed me, he and I shared a hotel room in Dubai, and our hotel room was like uh, a big ass apartment. It was huge. It was oh, huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in his room screaming, throwing stuff against the wall. He was losing his mind. Meanwhile, I'm on my bed, just like literally just laying there, looking at the ceiling, thinking about what's going on. And I didn't, I just, I couldn't react. I was still, I wasn't, I wasn't myself, my normal self. Everything just, my world just changed. Cause at this time, now I have two kids, right? Cause I just, I just had, I just, I just got my second kid. Uh, it was her birthday right before I left. She just turned one and I'm over here thinking all this family stuff or whatever. And I just like all that family stuff that I really would like was desiring to have yeah. just saw started crumbling in wow. front of my face. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, this is just, this is not how it's supposed to be. But meanwhile, I'm focused on my shipmate over here because he's losing his mind over his six month, six month girlfriend, six month girlfriend. I'm like, but Hey, still valid feelings. If you can, you pain, you have pain. Okay. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be here for him. I, I focus on me when I can, but I'm going to be here for him and I'm going to be here for my other shipmates to do this mission. So I did that. And so I stayed there. And then, But the, here's the weird part. When we got back on mission to do the deployment, it, you know, the, uh, the, the ET1 who was on the ship who knew about the divorce situation, he pulled me to the side like the day we left. He said, hey, man, I knew about it, but I just couldn't talk to you. And I know you're like a brother to me, but I couldn't talk about it. I said, hey, man, it's cool. And then, like, I want to say, like, after a couple of days, they expected me to be back to bubbly Phil where I come in there, like, you know, slapping the back of their heads or, like, you know, start singing songs like the Four Non Blonde songs I was talking about. It, all that typical stuff, right? It was dead silent in radio. Dead silent. Nobody was saying a word. And people was like, because not everybody knew about the situation, as a matter of fact. It was just, like, you know, the people who worked the, the, the radio system who, who picked it up. And nobody else really knew. But people was like wondering, like, man, uh, why is it so quiet in here? Phillips is in here. Why is it so quiet? This is, this is awkward. So now it created an awkward situation for people. Because I was just sitting there. I would go to work, and I wouldn't say a word. I would sit down on my on my little position, and I would do my job. I didn't say a word. I still did my job exactly the same way I was doing before, but now I'm just, just quiet. Yeah, you were a different that, person. Completely, completely yeah. different. Because I was focused on work. Because like, my mindset was just focus, work, work, work. That's definitely concerning. Yeah, yeah. Like I would be concerned if I was working, you know, with you in that moment and you started so I want, differently. So I want to say the ET one told the cob about me being quiet in radio. So like after every watch, the cob would be standing by waiting at the door. Say, Hey Phil. And like, he'd be like, yo, cause like community cob, we used to talk mad crap. Like he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a brother from Alabama and we used to talk mad oh crap. that's awesome you had the support of the chief of the boat to get you through this yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely important support is so important because this could have went a whole different way if you didn't have 
you know. I, I am I am legit blessed by the fact yeah. that all the support I have from yeah. that people on that boat was le- like legit. It was like yep. it was unfathomable how much support people provided. That's However, awesome. comma, I wasn't trying to hear it. Yeah. I can tell you right now. I remember. I remember in my head. I didn't care. Yeah, I was. I was. I legit wasn't trying to hear it. Like I, I didn't care how how concerned you were for me. How you know thoughts and prayers type type responses you want to give me. Like people were like legit. Like like even even in that owner chief of the boat. Like other people too. Like even yeah. like the CSC. The CSC was another brother, whatever. Right. And he and I used to talk crap on Madden because like we were like it was just it was just like a lot of support yeah. from everyone. Yeah, that's because because awesome. the relationships I built up while I was there, mm-hmm. and I wasn't trying to hear it. And the problem was for me every time the the cob would try it. Like he would try to say something, I had to like run away because I almost started breaking down. I almost like started breaking down crying because I didn't okay. want to think about it's it. It's okay to feel like yeah. that. Yeah, it was. It's okay. Hmm. And I and it sucked. I was like, I, I kept saying, "Can we like just not talk about it? Can mm-hmm. we just like do the job?" But they know after months of me, seeing me in in person, they know I wasn't fine. They knew, like, like, dude, you're not fine. Come on, man. Yeah, you're doing the job. You're being a sailor, blah, 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 blah. But you are not you. And we are concerned. So I want to say, like, after, like, a month and a half, they finally called it. It was like, hey, dude, nope. No, you have, there is no it's ands, and buts. You're going home. So it wasn't working. Okay. Okay. So it wasn't working out. You staying, you know, unfortunately, naturally, right? Any situation you were in, you probably would have, you know, been that way. So, So you went, you got sent home. So then what? So I got sent home. And I ne- and I will never forget this. It was eleven o'clock at night. I pulled like I got I flew into Augusta, Georgia Airport, a little small, little small rinky dinky airport. Mm-hmm. It was a chief, it was a it was a CTI one who just made chief. I knew I knew I knew of him, but he knew more of me because i again, you know, it, not this not to brag if anybody knows Phillips. Um, but like he said, Hey man, you know, he gave me the, the you know the traditional six pack and a beer and a hug and type stuff. Like, hey man, I know I know you're going through it right now, but uh uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna escort you to your barracks, whatever you know. Just make sure you get there safely. But my car was there, but he's want to make sure I'm, I was good. Like he That's wants to make so sure. That's so awesome. I'm so yeah. glad that yeah they set that up for you yeah. and you were there to be supported. So, so my car was there, and sure enough, just like just like what the letter said, my car was packed with all like my personal stuff that I needed for like like uniform wise clothes and personal stuff like you know like little knickknacks whatever while I go mm-hmm. basically move into this barracks room. So. And as soon as I turned my car on, it was Drake's Know Yourself was the very first song I heard when I turned my car on, which was the same song that paid off. I don't want to say his name. I don't want to say his name in this case. He don't know his, his information not thrown out there. Paid off the so-and-so who, who had the girlfriend mm-hmm. that, you know, he was listening to the same song on repeat for like four days straight. And now that song is just like synonymous. Like it just goes hand in hand with the whole divorce situation. Drake's Know Yourself. I Yeah, it was just, I was running through the street with my rope. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I listened to that song on repeat as we drove from the, uh, from the airport to Fort Gordon, to my barracks room. My my chief, uh, one, one of the chiefs, because, like, you know, in Dursup shop, you have, like, multiple chiefs. Um, went to my barracks room, sat in the recliner that was in there. I just sat there. He sat on the desk. I was quiet. He just looked at me. He was asking questions, and I just stayed quiet. I was like, "I'm good, Chief. I'm good." I kept saying, "I just kept saying that." I just kept mm-hmm. saying, "I'm good, Chief." And then, like, I want to say, like, after 45 minutes, he finally left. Um, 
And I just sat there. I just sat there. And I want to say I sat there in a the chair. It was like, I forgot what time it was. But I remember seeing the sun come up. And I was still sitting in the chair. I was just sitting there. That's like, You know what, 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 though? That's so great that he sat with you for 45 minutes. Because in my episode, the introduction episode to this um, podcast, I talked about, you know, my, my seed of triumph, right? And how I got sent home early from a deployment because of what happened to me. And nobody was there for my command at the airport. I didn't have any support. Nobody sat with me. Nobody made sure that I made it to, you know, uh, my place okay. Or even that I had a place to stay. And, and that took a toll on me. So I'm so happy to hear that your leadership was there for you as they should have been. That's awesome. Because yeah, that, that really helps. A it goes a long way. Yeah. It, it did. And I, yeah. And honestly, like hindsight thinking about it, because at the time I didn't care. Right. But hindsight thinking about it now, I'm glad that they did what they did. Mm-hmm. Like really, really thinking about it. You know, I'm very appreciative of like the people who, like who was there in my life at that, at that dark time. And that's the best part about dark. That's a good part about being in the military, in the Navy, right? And building a sense of community and trust and support is that, like, when you know, you know, like, that your people got your back. So that's what motivates me, right, to keep going is knowing that, you know, anybody, you know, under me, any of my sailors, anybody that I know, I'm going to be there for them no matter what. I probably say that's one of the greatest feelings I've had in the military is the fact that I know for a fact that there is people who I work with, maybe not even people who I don't work with, we were just in the same like vicinity, but it had my back. Mm-hmm. Like support for like work wise, personal wise, whatever. And they would just come they would just come together to, you know, support one another. Yep. And I and like, like like you said, not everybody had that same situation. Like like in your case, like you didn't have a chief waiting for you or whatnot. And that's it's unfortunate and that sucks and it shouldn't be like that. But I know it's in my case, I'm I'm very fortunate to have had that position. Yep. And it it did. I would say it did subconsciously help it from getting even worse right. of a situation than what did happen. It's the little it still thing. Went dark, it still, yeah, it still, it still went to a damn a, a very bad dark place. Okay, Nothing, yeah, let's get into that. Okay, so now, so basically, I was I was I was put in a position at work that they kind of had me on a no fly zone type type of scenario right because again we're direct, we're direct support and everybody was like on rotation to deploy but i was on a no no yeah, fly like, zone like leave basically. him alone yeah basically yeah basically because of the mental health issues with mm-hmm. like you know the whole like situation about divorce it's they wanted like, to make sure you were stable and able to get the, the care that you needed yeah so that lasted for i want to say uh maybe six months or so or somewhere, somewhere around there. Um, actually, no, I, I think it was, yeah, it was about six. What year was this? This was, this was 2014. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to get my timeline correct. So, like, yeah, it was 2014. Came back from deployment in April, and then, yeah, okay. So the following year, because like it was just a dark year, right? Uh, early the next year, again, I was still in a no, no fly zone, but. There was a mission that was a hot item mission, and they had a CTR go through the same thing. He was a he was a CTR one, and I was CTR two. But he was a qualified. He's a very very damn good smart at smart smart CTR one. Go through the exact same scenario I went through, but instead of you know you know staying there, which is which is totally fine by the way. I don't knock him. Anybody who who got put in the same position as me, they chose to go home immediately. I do mm-hmm. not. I don't not discourage that whatsoever. Yeah, we all handle things he, differently. He, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
but he def- he definitely took that card to go home immediately, mm-hmm. which is fair because he had he had three kids and he I, I know him too. He's a good dad. Like that's another thing too. You know that you get to meet people who are know that are good family members, mm-hmm. but sometimes stuff just stuff just happens. Yep. And he's all by his family, so I know he's going through some mess in his head. I already I, I already knew, but then the problem came work wise. Who's going to replace him? There were no qualified CTRs left in the shop. None. We had one CTR one who just cross rated from a sub rating to the CTR world, and he failed two of his boards. And so our job, but they loosely asked me, but they didn't really harp on me, but the job was to train him up to get him out there on deployment. But they didn't want to send one of the other trainers because like, okay, well, we can't send a trainer because he's a trainer. He's not supposed to deploy. So the it was it was a hot ticket item. I'm talking about it got to the CO level. Like, hey, is this dude ready to go yet? Because the mission, like the mission is literally on hold. There's a, there's a submarine on mission literally on hold because this guy can't deploy. So it, was, it, got, it got really bad. So I want to say that lasted for about two weeks until I finally came into work one day. And I, I just turn in my like deployment paperwork. It's like it's like, dude, what's this? I was like, send me on the boat. It's like, wait, what? It's like, no, you're you're on you're on um, cooldown. I got there's an actual term for it. And I was like, no, send me. And then so they brought up to the department head, and so the department head sat me down with the, uh, our our chief, whatever our department LSPO. It's like, Phil, you good? It's like, come on, send me. Just 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 do it. I got this. It's like, are you sure? It's like, I got this. Send me. So they finally sent me. So they sent me and said to the dude that was supposed to go, that was supposed to get trained up. So I, I left. So I, t- I went on that deployment. I took the place of the CTR1 that was dealing the same Dear John letter situation. And I was basically, I want to say like 45% myself. I, I, I didn't want to go there and make anyone feel awkward and whatnot. And I want to have make sure I have the faith of the leadership because they really didn't want to send me out there because they knew I was still d- mentally dealing with the situation that I was currently in. But I volunteered, I, and I forced, I forcefully volunteered myself to go on that deployment because you but wanted want to him say, to have that same opportunity yeah. to like have the reprieve and the the time to yeah. Be, and I knew, and I knew, and I knew, I knew I can do the mission. And historically speaking, every mission I went on, something magical happens, Navy related wise, where a lot of good comes from it, mm-hmm. which again did happen. Cause right. I'm like, I'm like, the, I'm like the Harry Potter of CTR work on the sub duty. <laughs> so that gave really you, am. it gave you like a sense of purpose. Like, you know what? I may be going through this sucky time in my personal life, but if I take on this challenge and go back and, and do this mission and fight this fight that the Navy needs me to do, then I have a sense of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I definitely, cause I, I definitely did feel that because yeah. there was a lot of good. Every time I go on deployment, something good always happens. And it, and it didn't happen to the other CTRs until like, we finally came back home, like, and I say, hey, this is what I did. I didn't do it how I was trained. I did it another way. And then, like, once I started, like, telling people what I did, I think they started doing it, too. And now they yeah. started seeing the same, like, basically the same success. So we started sharing with each other. But that's besides the point. You but know? being good, but, being good and proficient in your craft and making a difference can do wonders to your confidence. Like, whether that is through your job, whether that's through... Anything in your personal life, like proving to yourself that you're good at something does wonders for your confidence. And that's what can also help get you through a tough situation is proving to yourself that you are capable and more than capable and that you can make a difference. I, I, w- I, can, I can honestly say that it was it was awesome to feel that. Mm-hmm. But as far as making me feel better, 
mm. in the situation that I was currently in as far as like, you know, being away from my kids. No, okay. absolutely not. Okay. Just, it, 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 it didn't go hand in hand, but I can't, I can't honestly say that it still did make me feel like proud about the, right. what the, about the work that I was doing. Like, I know I made an impact and I know I assisted others to make an impact because the more, the more I did, the more I would try to make other people shine as well too. Mm-hmm. It's like, Hey, you like, I know you're, you're a tea brancher, but Hey, have you thought about doing this instead? Like, we just like, again, building that camaraderie, building that competition, right. building that, whatever Better you gotta do to build up. everybody up. So like, before I left my second deployment, while I, like, while I was like, you know, on the whole Dear John Letter stuff, whatever, mm-hmm. right? I saw that I was written up for a NAM, right? And I was, I turned, I took the night orders to give it to the CEO and I read and I wasn't supposed to, but I read it and I saw that I was getting a NAM. And I straight up told the CEO, as I, as I dropped off at his desk, he asked me how I was doing it. I was like, I'm straight. And he's like, but sir, that NAM right there, no, it's, it's false. Everyone in that radio, everyone in the radio. Was it like a pity nam? No, 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 no. You know, oh, like, okay. t- typically, typically, everyone who does the mission, they typically, they typically get an, a nam. Oh, okay. Typically, yeah, it's kind of like this, like, oh, you did your job. So why didn't you want it? It's like it's not that I didn't want it, but it's not, but nobody else would get it. Nobody else was getting a nam. It was oh. just, it was just a CTRs. But I explained to him why it was a, it was a well-oiled machine. Like, I wouldn't have been able to have done my job if it wasn't for the ETs doing this, yeah. the CTIs okay. doing this, the, C- the T-Birds. Mm-hmm. And I broke it down to him that everybody is a piece of a, uh, of a gear in a much larger mm-hmm. system. Like, everybody, everybody is a piece of a cog in a larger grand scheme of the mechanical system right. that is capable of doing the job. And after I said that, I'll never forget, like, two days later, my chief comes into the radio and he's like, he has this like, mean look on his face because he knew I said something to the CEO because he had to rewrite the NAMs. He had to write five more NAMs now because what I said, now everybody's getting a NAM. Oh, that's See, good. If, yeah. I eat, if, if I'm going to eat, everybody's going to eat. Yeah, that's a good like but, leadership principle that everyone should hone into, right? Everybody like, should. Bring, everybody should get recognition for yeah, doing the bring, job. Bring people up with you. Exactly. But 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 again, that's, that's again besides the point. Right. Um, Back so, on track, uh, like I really want to know how you how you you know went through this like really tragic you know event. So again, good support system. Mm-hmm. I had a chief who we was on a first name basis, you know, which sure. which again is like taboo type stuff. Uh, but he and I are like the same person. Like he like got the same mindset, whatever. And he was there for me like, the entire walk of the way. And a lot of things I was like I was ignoring a lot of things he was talking to me about because I didn't want to hear it. Like I didn't want to hear from nobody. I didn't want to go to therapy. I didn't want to talk to chaps. Mm-hmm. Even though I was scheduled to every so often, I met my, I went to my scheduling appointments, but there was nothing you could say to me that was going to deter me from my, 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 my suicidal ideations of oh, doing wow. what I was going to do. Cause, so cause you, I had, I had, you actually, you know, had those thoughts. Oh, I had, I had the whole 13 reasons why I planned out and everything. Wow. I was, I was doing, the, I was doing the whole, I was, I was prepared. I was prepared. I was prepared to go. you refused to seek help? You were like, no, I don't want to help. I don't want help for this. This is what I'm going to do. Nope. Didn't want any of it. Didn't, didn't care. I did not care. Didn't, did not care. There was nothing, right? So even though you had the support, you were just so down about your personal life that you were just like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I was, I was down bad. I was, I, I was, I was the ultimate professional still sailor, but behind closed doors, I was done. You know, I like, oh, and no, I, think, I think a lot of us do that, right? Um, I was just talking to somebody today about how he's going through it in his personal life. You know, nothing that the Navy did is making him depressed and anxious and, and causing him to feel so low. But 
he says that, you know, he, he, nobody at work would ever notice because he is really good at work. He puts on the uniform and he's a different person. And if, if I'm being honest, I can relate to when I was at my lowest points, right? Um, when I'm going through something, I try to mask that, especially because now I'm in a position of leadership. I don't want anybody to know what I'm going through or see me as weak or whatever the case may be. So yeah, like maybe you can elaborate on why it was that you think that you didn't want anybody to know, you know, how bad it was or how low you were. For me personally, I'm really, I, I, again, this is me personally. Uh-huh. Like not everybody, not everybody's the same, but I'm, I'm really, I'm really big on like, you don't bring your drama into work. You don't bring like whatever, if you're angry, you don't take it out on anybody at work. So like if a situation occurs or somebody forgot to like route a special request shit on time, whatever, you but don't like, take that situation. Small stuff, though. Like this is but, your but, health, but, your your life but, that I'm talking about. So, but, but yeah, but okay. But you but you you're talking about you talking about how like kind of works into and ties your hands into a work related atmosphere because there are people who deal with stuff behind closed doors and they bring those those bring they bring that energy to work and then actually know they take it out on their sailors, which like, is we, not we, always the the healthiest thing to do. But we have to know when to ask for help. But but okay, but again, that's me personally. Yeah. I'm not gonna do that. I'm I'm right. I'm not gonna bring that baggage to work where I'm taking out my personal issues on Seamus Muckatelli because they forgot right. to, you know, and I, I that's which, one that's one thing I pride is, myself which on. Is, you shouldn't do that, right? You shouldn't bring your personal issues to work and you shouldn't let that affect your your team and your sailors. But we have to we have to, you know, eliminate the stigma or draw the line somewhere that it is okay to inform your chain of command, not not take it out on people, right? But inform somebody that you're struggling and that you need help. No, that, no, so you and I, you and I, you and I are saying the same thing, okay. but we're just we're just saying like, but on a different avenue because okay. I do agree with that. I do right. agree. To, I do agree with the fact that like, hey, if you need help, you need to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, you need you need to raise your non firing hand mm-hmm. and say, hey, there's something, there's something going on. Which that that wind up didn't happen. Spoiler alert! It did happen at a certain mm-hmm. point, but we're gonna get to that in a little bit. But I, I'm just saying, like, as far as like, if you're trying to if you're trying to mitigate it yourself, if you're trying to self medicate yourself. Whatever bleed over from that, whereas anger, emotional like mm-hmm. trauma, any of that stuff, do not take it out on other sailors. That right. is all I'm saying okay. is, yeah, but, that's the point. But if anybody who is like on the outside looking in and they're looking at you and they see there's something wrong and they want to approach you and they want to talk to you one on one, by all means, let that happen. I'm totally 100 okay yeah, with open that. Open up to somebody that you trust, who knows, who yeah. you know that has your best interest, and that's where the whole idea of support being so important comes in. It's like. Absolutely. If you, if you don't have that, find that, right? And if you don't have that and you don't know where to find it, you know, email this podcast. Like that's what this is for, right? This is a platform of support where you can reach out to people who have been there and done that and will advocate for you and your mental health journey. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Anyone who knows me, what is the, what is the number one thing I like to do? Even when I even when I was like I was down and out, you know, being my depressed self. In the morning, when I first see you in the morning, what is the first thing I always do without fail in the morning when I see you? Say good morning, crack a joke, make you smile. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Say good morning. Be personable, but like, hey, how was your night? Did you mm-hmm. sleep? Like, you know, just you know, just ask questions about the sailor. Mm-hmm. And then if you have some pressing work stuff to talk about. 
That's sure. That's fine. But just acknowledge them as a human being because you know what? They may be sailors 24 seven. We get that. We totally get that. We signed a contract. Totally understand that. But it's still our human beings. just like everybody else. Sometimes just saying good morning will change someone's life. Yep. And it has happened. And it has been said to me multiple, multiple times my entire Navy career, just saying good morning and asking about the day legit changes someone's life. Legit. It's yep. crazy. It is because crazy. you have people, because you have people in, in, in the leadership who was like straight to like they're soon to come in at seven thirty. Like, hey, hot item, ticket items, blah blah. blah. straight work. This straight work. It's it's and, like, crazy and it's so true. And I'll even go as far as to say the word thank you for me. That word was said to me in that kind of derailed in a positive way my whole career. Somebody finally told me thank you, and I was like, wow, like. You're welcome. You know, you actually, <laughs> you know, you actually appreciate me for what I'm doing, even though this was so simple, like the simple phrases like thank you and good morning and just treating people like human beings can go so far, especially when people are going through something that they tend to mask at work. Like you said that you were doing right because you don't want to bring your personal issues to the workplace. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can make anybody run through a brick wall for you if you motivate them the right way. Whether it, it, it can be anything, you find out what motivates them, what you know, gets them gets them going, and they will run through a brick wall for you. And even saying a good morning will have them doing that, or have or saying good morning will have them like just open up saying, uh, "My spouse is doing this," yeah. or like you know, my kids have these issues, or whatever the case may be. But you also got to be prepared for that because exactly. sometimes people will people will trauma dump. So you talked about something that was very sensitive and personal. And I thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, you mentioned the fact that you thought, you know, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. And you were actually having those um, suicidal ideations. And as much as some of us don't want to admit, like, I don't want to say it's common, but some of us have been there. So it's like, even though you, you know, put on your professional mask, right, at work and you don't want to ask for help, um, you know, can you tell us how you got through that? Because I think that story is going to be really important. So, like I said, I had suicide ideations and I had I had a whole plan. I, I, I went through the whole, to, to, you know, to sound cliche, I went through the whole 13 reasons why freaking mapped out plan of how I was going to execute this. I had my leave days booked. I had my flights booked. I had my TSP checked out. I had my, I had my, my will done. I made sure my page two was updated and I, I read some regulations. Like what, what would happen in an accidental death when the SGLI kick in or the other stuff. So like make sure all full benefits are still good to go. Cause you know, if you if you technically they find out that it was a suicidal type situation, you can lose your SGLI you, because they don't cover that. You put a lot of time and effort and thought into this. Like you were were serious. I, uh, I went methodical That's, with this stuff. I was dead. I was dead oh ass serious gosh. with this stuff. I'm sorry. So it was. So I was. I was. I was ready yeah. to go. And I was like. And I didn't have like not one single fear. One single fear about it. Didn't have second thoughts. I was good mm -hmm. to go. I was good to go. So what um, changed? And this. So, so this is so mag magically again, the Navy happened. So, um, I was prepared to go on leave. I was going, I was coming to work on time, 
clean uniform, smelling good, you know, hygiene is good to go. I'm like looking like a regular, just like a regular sailor that sh- you should look like, right? Um, but I was, I still technically wasn't being myself mm-hmm. until one magical day. I want to say two days before I went on leave to execute these, like this whole situation. Right. Two days before I went on leave, I came into work. It was 0800. I walked into the office, I go in the, the, the compartment and it's about like, I want to say like maybe 60 people in there. How Like you can fit like maybe like a hundred, but there was 60 people. There was like 60 people in there at the time. I sat in the CTR corner and I just sat there. I just waited. I'm just, now I'm just waiting for time for me to leave. So I'm just not, I'm you're, sitting there quiet and not talking out. to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm already done. Cause it, but that's, that's typically what I've been doing for mm-hmm. months, for, for so months. Just since another this whole, day. Like, yeah. You know, another day. Yeah. Basically, basically until randomly the dude who was on the computer in front of me, he turns around and goes, Phillips, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm straight. He's like, he's like, dude, no, you're not. Now I barely know this guy. I legit barely know him. And he's like, dude, you're not okay. Like, you're not coming in here threatening to send people to the Thunderdome. Could I create a thing called mm-hmm. a Thunderdome inside our workspace where anybody who walked in there, it's go time. It's it's it's, it's immediately wrestle you're time. Hilarious. Like, oh man, it's all it's all. I'm all yeah. It's See, all about look at that. that. You created yeah. this environment, right? This fun, upbeat environment, right? Where people people thrive, right? On this energy that you bring. So even though you didn't know this guy, you know he was there for you to say, "Hey, are you okay?" Because you're not your normal self. That's that's awesome. So so. So essentially, yeah. So when that happened, it triggered the dude across from him, and he got up like he did, like, like kind of peeking his head over the monitor. It's like, yeah, dude. Um, it's been like a couple months, and you haven't been like yourself. You haven't called me a mother effer. You haven't said this. You haven't said what your calls at. You haven't like asked me like you haven't like you haven't done this, and like you haven't tried to give me a headlock or nothing like that. Like, can we can we get that Phyllis back? And then when he said that. Someone across, literally across the other side of the freaking like compartment, stood up and said, "Yeah, fellas, man, um, you're you're kind of like weird at times, but like we kind of miss it. It's like really super quiet in here, and it's kind of awkward when like nobody's talking, and like you don't want to get people, everybody talking and like having fun. So like, can we get that fellas back? And like, I'm gonna tell you about a, a freaking uproar of people who I barely know." Cause I, I keep like a certain like a certain group of people I, I'm cool with at work. Cause you know we all have those work friends, whatever. But apparently, there's other people who I don't even like really, really engage with like that that were also impacted by what I do at Look, work. Let me just. And I, showed- I hate to cut you off at this point, but I just want to say like I feel I'm getting teary eyed in this moment, right, of you sharing the story because, like I said, you made you have such an infectious personality, like. People love you. They want you to be around like you, you matter. And I love that these people that you didn't even know, right? But that you, well, not didn't know, but that you maybe not have been close to, but that you worked with, cared about you to ask you how you were doing and to to bring this up. Like, I want you to finish what you were saying, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, I'm just teary eyed listening to this. Well, yeah, so yeah, you know, you're gonna make me teary. Look, let me let me let me focus, yeah. not get teary eyed, because now you might make me teary eyed. Right? <laughs> no, stop, stop. Okay, focus, focus, focus. focus. So, so it was, it was a domino effect. It was legit a domino effect, 
And then like, it was like, kind of like an overflow of people telling me who I barely know uh, how much they care about me. It was, it was over friggin' whelming. And like, I was sitting there, I didn't say, I couldn't say anything. I didn't know what to say. So people just kept on talking and it became, it became the talk of the shop. Like, yeah, why is Phil was like, 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 hey, dude, like, you know, like, like over and over and over again. Yeah, like, we need until, you. Like, after, like, we oh, need you. You build after, us I, up. I, I want to say after, yeah, after 15 minutes straight of this, I legit just stood up and say anything. And I looked around and I was like, kind of, I didn't run, but I briskly walked out the office and I immediately went to the emergency phone and I called my chief, the one I was cool with that I mentioned earlier. I said, hey, dude, you're not, you're not going to appreciate this, but I got to tell you some real Navy stuff. He's like, oh my God, what did you do? And like, he made a joke. He, like, again, we made a joke about it, whatever, whatever, right? But not, not suicidal stuff. You made a joke about something else. I was like, no, I'm about to say some trigger words that's going to cause you to come get me. And I told him the trigger words. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm dead yeah, ass so serious. Those, those events built you up to be able to feel comfortable, right? Asking for help. Yeah, so I, I snitched to myself. I, 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 I snitched, like, after he showed up, he put me in the cave and I told him everything that I had plotted out. I told him why I was taking like 35 days of leave. I told him like, I told him the entire plan. He's like, oh, you're like, you're like being like for real serious right now, aren't you? I was like, yes, I'm very, I'm very serious. I'm sorry to drop this in your lap. I know how, how you and I are, but it, it, I'm, I, I, I got it. I got to snitch right. myself. Say, like, hey, I'm calling yeah. chaps. So he called chaps. And Chaps gets there like within like seven minutes, and she works across the friggin' whole yeah, compound the chaplain, of the Chaps base. means chaplain, and the chaplain can be a great resource for like immediate, yeah, immediate support. So she's a she's a great person to talk to, and she came in there and she asked me, "Hey, do you want Chief in here while we talk about this?" I say, like, "Oh no, I, I trust I trust in my life. He's 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 good. He's been he's been through it all with me." So we talk about everything. I I retell her the whole situation I'm currently in. And that the fact that I'm changing it, I'm not doing it anymore. From that moment that I'm talking, the moment that dude turned around in the shop and then everyone else kind of like said something, it was kind of like a switch went off my head to not do it. Cause like, I just saw that I, I matter to people. Like mm-hmm. I, I like, like people, people legit do care about me, which made me think about my friend, my yeah. personal friends, my family. It made me like really what? think about it. I'm like, Oh, this is a bad idea. This is a stupid idea. And and to think about the impact that you've made in my life and in the sailors that I know and that I know that you've helped life. Like, I'm so glad that you had that moment and that you're still here because, you know, I know because I, I've worked with you, right, towards the end of your career up until the day that you retired, that you have done so much good in this Navy and has helped so many people get through tough times. Yeah, I, tr- I try. I try. Yeah. Uh, I kind of live in the whole dark humor world or whatever, right? So, like, I was telling Chaps about my whole plan, like I said, and she's like, we was in there for, like, I want to say, like, a good hour. And she's telling me, like, oh, I'm so I'm so glad you decided not to do this and all this other stuff. And Chief is like, you know, you know, co-signing with her. So, hey, man, I know we, sh- we we joke around a lot, but, you know, I, you know, I love you as a brother and all this other stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, and they, they're, they're really being super supportive of this. And then the last thing she says is, but aren't you so glad you're not going to go through this now? And now you get to see your kids, see, watch them grow up and all this other stuff. Like, aren't you glad you get to go home and not have to worry about doing it? Like you're doing your plan or whatnot and live your life. Isn't that, isn't that what you, 
isn't that what you're really happy for right now? I was like, no. And she's like, wait. And she's like, wait, what? No. I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, no. And she's like, wait, so what, what is yeah, it? Yeah, you just caught me off guard too. I was like, um, do you not what do you do you not know what month it is right now? And it's like October. It's like, do you know what's about to happen in October? And she's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not following. And even my chief was kind of like, wait, what are you like, what are you getting at? I was like, I, I, I was like, the new Star Wars movie is about to come out, Force Awakens. I get, I get to watch the premiere opening of the new Star Wars movie. Are you kidding me? You know how many times I watched that trailer? I was like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm getting tickets right now because I, before I wasn't going to get tickets because I didn't get to see the movie because I wasn't going to be around to watch the movie. I get to watch the movie now, but I still wasn't, I still wasn't going to therapy though. I, uh, I got mapped because. I just, I, again, I just focus on work, whatever. And I just like all oh, this good work, whatever stuff. I was very adverse and hesitant to go through therapy because I didn't want to talk through or deal with the trauma that I was facing. It took me a while to get there. Yes. So basically, so basically, I kind, I kind of, I kind of got like that, that situation that happened at the in a office kind of reinvigorated my enthusiasm to be back to going back to myself. Yeah, your sense of purpose. Yeah. yeah. So I went back to being myself, but I still was on the no fly zone for deployments. So I was like, okay, well, what else can I do to be, like the better my time? I just took whatever collateral duty I could find and I revamped it. I focused. I like because like cause I got nobody to go home to. So I was like, okay, man, I, I might as well put my nose in like some work stuff. So I, I, I revamped yeah. the mentorship program. I revamped the watch bill program. I revamped the sponsorship program. I became a Sapper VA. Um, and this is all stuff that is geared and catered towards helping sailors. So like the fact that you took on these programs, these big programs, right? And you, you dedicated your times towards it. That not only did you help out the command, not only did you keep yourself busy, but at the end of the day, whether that was your purpose or not, like the effects that it had on the sailors was astronomical. Yeah, I'm because sure. I, I know, like, for, I know for yeah. the sponsorship program, I wanted to be CC'd on every email that you have for a sailor that you're coming in. I was like, look, you're going you're gonna to ask them what the TikTok is. You're going to ask them what the Twitter is. I want to know how many kids they got. You're to like, no, no, not TikTok because we not okay. we're not promoting okay, well, TikTok. I, I said TikTok because it's the most relevant thing. TikTok wasn't even out back then. Yeah, I know. But yeah, yeah, but I yeah, know. You know, you're right. You're right though. But but that's but that's the kind of energy <laughs> I wanted them to have when they engage. Right. They say like, like, look, I want them to be like welcome. Like, I want them to know that they're cared for. So I was on top of that, and I had and thank and thank God again, I had the power, the the backing of Master Chief Purvis. Master Chief Purvis. Yes. Support, support, okay. foot stomp, support, support, support. So important Mas in all Mas of this. Chief Purvis had CTR two Phillips's back, back well, well with CTR one at the time. Now he had the full support of Master Chief Purvis, who had the full support of the department head, who had the full support of the CMC, who had the full full support of the XO and CL. Everyone knew who Pairs and Phillips was. Everyone knew. Mm -hmm. Everyone knew. I had my hand in everything. So whatever. I did work related wise for those programs. If I got any lip about it, Matt Chief was already there. It's like, no, no, it's quarter regulations, blah, 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 blah. You will be doing this, but type type stuff, whatever, right? Nothing like no, not, not nothing um off the off the off the rails, whereas like 
yeah, em- empowerment from your leadership is so important. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. that's awesome. Just, you know, support with Navy stuff. It's like your chain of command and the people that you trust and you work with every day, supporting you in whatever it is that you want to do, whether that's get out of the Navy, right? They're supporting you in that decision and making sure that you have a plan, you know, what you're going to do after or whatever it is, whether you want to, you know, have a, a music career, right? Supporting you and and pursuing that, whatever. No, no, as long as you're meeting the standards of the Navy, I feel like maybe it's not per se within the in the in the bylaws of what your leadership is required, but being a supportive leader at the end of the day is vital and it's key. And I want like this platform is going to show it. I'm telling you, it's key to the success of the mental health of your sailors and your and your airmen or your marines or your soldiers in the military. If you are in a leadership position, you need you have to support your people. It's so important. I so like when you, when you said the whole musical career thing, that kind of threw me off. But I kind of like really really thinking about it. There have been somebody approached me saying like something that they personally into, and I had no idea what the heck they was talking about. So when they left, I googled it, and then when I got home, I googled it again and I researched it to have a better understanding of what they were like really into, like what they're driving to be, whatever. And so like, I want to say a couple days later, now I'm educated about it. And like, and I was talking to them about that. I was like, Hey, did you know this program is available we, for yeah. you? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like a, a like, built this like rapport like, yeah. of like, Oh wow. You were listening to me. You understand these goals. You took it upon yourself to help me out by just doing, you know, 10 minutes of research. It, it goes a long way. It yeah. goes a long way. Yeah. Like when, when, when someone, when, when someone who talks to you and you give them feedback, like honest feedback and like you're actually listening, that does Mm -hmm. go a long way. And I made sure I try to do that as much, as much as possible, because sometimes people be saying some off the wall stuff to me when I want, I want to know what the heck they're talking about. So I have, I will have to do my own legwork. And because that very support saved you. So it's like, now you realize that you understand. Yeah. You pay it forward. You, you make sure that you, because you know what people need. So you're going to mm-hmm. stick around and, and yeah, pay it forward and make sure that you're there. Even if it's just saying and, good morning. And, 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 and to bring it back to a work yeah. wise, if they feel like they have the support and the, and the, and the care for by the, like, their, their leadership, they're going to do their job. 100%. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to just sit there happily do the crummy job. If, it's, if, it, if it is a crummy job, they're going to do the crummy job. Cause you know what? They know that the chain of command got the back of what their, their real endeavors 100%. are in life. You know yep. what I'm saying? Cause they take it, there's, there's an interest in there for them as human beings. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But they're still going to do the yeah. job. So it, it, people's like, well, what does musical career got to do with the job? Well, if you take an interest in a musical career and like you, you engage with them about that, they can go back to the desk and do their job and do whatever the mission got to do. And then when off time, okay, now they get focused on what right. they want to yeah, do outside like of the, uh, the Navy, the Navy or the military, right? It's not always somebody's end goal. That's not what they aspire to do for the rest of their life. Some people use it as a stepping stone and that's 100% okay. As long as you're giving the Navy what they need and you're taking care of yourself and you're furthering not only the Navy's goals, but making sure you're furthering your personal goals, you're golden. And as a leader, I'm here to make sure that you do both. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, um, to to go back to go back to the the personal stories real quick. Um, so once that happened, 
and I snitched myself, you know, and then the whole suicide ideation at the moment got squashed. At the moment, it got squashed because it gets different. It gets different because now some more hurdles mm. happen. Uh, now, I, now that I got mapped to first class, they're saying, okay, I got to change my billet. I, I contacted the ex. I said, hey, do you have any problem with the kids moving in with me if I move to California? Because she was still trying to get her life together, and she agreed to that. So I'm getting excited because, like, wait, I can have the kids live with me? Oh, yeah. All day, every day. I'm going to California. Totally change the scenery. Boom. Refresh. New new life. New scenery. Boom. Good to go. I get to California. A couple months later, a couple months while I'm there, the kids move with me. I can tell, I can honestly tell you I was living in bliss. It was so awesome. At the same time, super hectic because I don't know how to do a little black girl's hair. I don't know how to do it. I tried to YouTube it. I tried to do everything I could. I don't know. I had to but hire yeah, people. So you you just, got over it. that initial, right? That initial adversity, right? Now you're, you've triumphed through. Like now you're in San Diego yeah. in this beautiful place. You have your kids, right? Full time. You're taking care of them. Like you love your kids. So now you're living with your kids. Everything's great. Yeah. yeah. Every, everything's great for mm-hmm. the moment. But again, hick, hick, some, something, something's got to turn his right. ugly head, right? So the kids will only live with me for one okay. year. And at the, at the time I work in hours for from on, on paper, it was from 7.30 to 15.30. Mm-hmm. We haven't worked a day past 12 o'clock my entire time being in San mm-hmm. Diego. Because like our, jo- our job was not sure. tasking. And we was more like at the needs of the Navy. And you were on what, shore duty right? at the time? Or was it CD? Okay, so you had that reasonable expectation and, and have, to, you know, do your time yeah. and go home at the end of the day. Yes. And so we, and we had a schedule so we can see when we're like, okay, when, when stuff's going to hit the fan, like where we need to be at work, we can see it like way in advance. We, we know like when, like kids. when stuff got, stuff yeah. got to happen. Well, there was a change. There was a change in leadership where they wanted some tweaks and peaks done to the way things were run in the office. Every day I would get off early from, from work, I would immediately go to my daughter's daycare and I would pick her up and we'd have a daddy, a mm-hmm. daddy day, like a daddy-daughter mm-hmm. day. Every, every day, every day I got up early, every day. Um, and we did that for, I want to say like for 10 months straight and it was only there for a year. I knew my time was finite with the kids living there. I knew that. Well, when we got the new change, change of command within the, the space that we was working in, the lieutenant commander got upset one day because we was all gone early, like normal, completely like normal. And he had to open the door. Like he had to open the door to the space because he works in a, like an office, like within a space that's a locked space, whatever mm-hmm. you need to, you know, a key code to come in there. Uh, well, everyone was gone, so we couldn't open the door. So he had to open the door. So he got mad about that. So the next day we had a meeting, we had an office meeting. And he said, nah, from now on, the working hours are from 0730 to 1600. And we was all like, we was all like, even the devil could like, apparently like, if, if, if blindsided the devil as well too. It was like, wait, what? So you said, I'm wait, so you said before the working hours were from zero seven to fifteen thirty. Like the fifteen. So it just increased thirty he's, minutes. He's, well, he increased it thirty minutes, but we never, we never stayed past okay. twelve. Oh, I see. What we you're just never t- yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, because there was nothing. There was nothing yeah. to do. Our quals yeah. were done. Our GMTs were done. Everything that Navy was related wise was done. Everything was oh, done. So a, and a no new, a new sheriff because... came in town, if you will, and he started yeah. putting the hammer down and these strict, you know, timelines for whatever reason. So, so things just kind of changed the environment. But I took that as a personal attack on my time with my mm-hmm. kids, and I felt something I never felt before, which was anger. 
I got super mad and super angry and my hands started shaking and I didn't know how to deal with that. And then that same day, I immediately called TRICARE because I, cause like, I realized, oh, I just developed anger issues. Like instantly I identified well, you said, it. So you said something's not right. This is not right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I've been dealing with depression the yeah. entire time, but it's been mitigated by me being there with the kids and whatnot. But now this whole new scenario, I'm you not accustomed yeah, to that because during the, divorce, yeah. during the divorce phase, I never had that one ounce yeah. of anger in my, my whole soul. But then this, uh, excuse me, but then this happened. And so I, I immediately snitched myself. Now here's where it gets a little bogged down because like everyone who tried to do a TRICARE as mental health trying to get an appointment, they can attest to this. I call TRICARE, try to get an appointment. I get I get seen by the TRICARE professional at the local uh, military hospital. Okay. And they say, okay, they're going to refer me out mm-hmm. in town. Um, but when they said they're going to do that, they said they call me back. They say, hey, we call you when we you know we have a provider for you. To, to and they never called whatever. you back. And it's been and like that's a not week. the first time I've heard and that story. Been, yeah. And it's and it's been like it's been like two weeks. But then I want to say the third week, finally, finally by the third week, they finally this is in 2018. No, okay, 17. Okay. So they called you back. All right. So they, they, they okay. no, they wanted they called me back, but it was just it was just it just mm-hmm. took some time. I was okay. like, wait, that's, that's that's some time. Meanwhile, I'm still having all this right. anger. I have all this anger built up, whatever, right? So I finally get I finally get to see a therapist. Now I have the mindset of I don't need to. I don't need to talk to no damn therapist. Right. I'm kind of what never I, done I, it prior before. to me coming up. To, yeah, and, and plus, and plus, in my personal racial community, we don't look at talking about your feelings as a way to go about yourself. Like you, 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 you shut up and you. Yeah. you I can relate. Up. You know, like, I was tech, raised. Tech. My dad is yeah. an African American father, and the culture in in that community, right, is. We don't believe in that. That's not real. Yeah, you you suck it up and you be yeah. tough. And so, and to this day, my father doesn't understand. You know the the benefits of therapy. So, and like if you need if you need to talk to anyone, you need to talk to yeah, Jesus, right? Or you talk, or you talk, or you talk, or you talk to a family member. But if you talk to a family member, you don't even spill out the important feelings type stuff. You just tell you what's wrong yeah. with your day, but you don't talk. And we got to do better as so, a as a community, right? to break down that stigma because mental health care is yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. slowly getting there, but you know, we're not, we're not, right. we're not there yet, but we're, so, we're right. slowly getting there. So anyway, so I, I finally meet my therapist, whatever. Right. And I sit there, I'm very uh, apprehensive about the whole situation. And we're sitting there quiet for like 20 minutes. It's like, so is there anything we'll talk about? I was like, you know, I don't know. You tell me. And she's like, well, no, actually you tell me. I was like, well, and her name was Rebecca Moore out of Hillcrest, San Diego. She is phenomenal, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, so we talk about like most nonchalant things that's unimportant to the entire scenario. I start talking about Avengers. I start talking about my favorite Netflix movies. I just start talking about stuff that doesn't matter. I just want to talk. I just want. I just want to open up about the most random stuff and get stuff off of my chest that's unimportant to this whole situation of why I'm there. Cause I didn't want to be there, but at the same time, I knew I was supposed to be there because again, these anger issues. That's me personally how I deal dealt with at the initial point of therapy. Mm-hmm. On my third session, I finally started talking about my personal self, like how this whole situation is affecting me. And from there, that's when the floodgates opened. I was just pouring out everything I felt about the divorce, about my missing my kids, about the fear of not being with my kids, and all that stuff. And then once that happened, it was like something else just clicked in my head. And I just felt 
infinitely better. I knew the doom and gloom was still there about the fact that the that the kids were about to leave and I didn't want them to leave, but I mean it is what it is. But I got this off my chest. And she had nice things like like she she said all like, all the right things back to me in as far as response to everything I had an ailment with as far as my mental health. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And now I'm over here wearing a t-shirt saying, if you have mental health issues, go see a therapist. I fully support it. This is awesome. I was like, I'm team mental yeah. health. Coach. I'm team like go see yes. a psychiatrist, therapist. Team all day, yes. every day. And so at quarters, at quarters, I was openly talking yep. about it. Like, hey guys, so you know, I'm seeing a therapist and it's totally awesome. If anybody's doing mental health issues, I totally recommend it. It's, it works wonders. And I was saying that at, at quarters for for the division for our shop i was saying at quarters for the uh, for duty section muster i was saying that at random outings that we would have i was completely completely i love that because we have to especially as a military force get over the stigma right that mental health is bad or that it makes you look weak because it's so not true we promote right like physical fitness and physical health and PT test and oh, this is awesome. But like, it's the same thing with your mind. You have to exercise your mind and make sure that your mind is is healthy. So there's nothing wrong with therapy and talking to somebody and getting mental health treatment because that's what we need to be on par with our physical health, right? To get the mission done. So like, I have faith that we're going to get there. We're not there yet, but I have faith that we're going to get there through all of these shared experiences, right? That finally people will see how important and valuable taking care of your mental health is. And exactly what you said, as far as like, you know, taking care of your mind would help to get the mission done. And I will never forget what Master Chief Neil said to me when I was a PS on, my, on a USS Enterprise, because as PSs, our job is to make sure that all your paperwork and all your pay is good to go, so you're not worried about it, and you can go out there and do all that hazardous duty stuff on the flight deck and not have to worry about if your BA right. in or working properly. He made he made a, a very emphasis point on that, that if they don't have to worry about that, they can do their job. And that goes the same hand as far as your mental mm-hmm. health. If your mental health is good to go, or at least it's being cared for or worked on, your work will be good 100%. to go too. Like they may, they, you may have moments where you spurt out and you have like these episodes, whatever that may happen, which is fine. But at least, at least there is something being done to work yep. on it rather than just yep. ignore it. Don't ignore it. Work yep. on it. Do you got you got you got to work on it? Because all you're gonna do is hinder yourself, which hinders yourself is on the handle the mission. And then what's gonna happen when it hinders hinders the mission? Then the navy's gonna crack down, and when the navy cracks down, it's gonna go back on you, which adds more stress to you. And then it's going to be a spiraling yeah, a out of control effect. situation. Yeah, exactly. You have to prioritize and your mental health just as much as you prioritize your physical health and don't let anybody tell you any different. Everything health related, you got to yep. prioritize everything. Everything, everything, everything you got to do with your body and yourself, your well-being, it is beneficial for you to take care of it. Cause, cause if you, because like if it starts to slip and then you start can't doing your job, because you know, big navy all, all they care, they really just care about the job. They care about they they care about the stuff getting we're, done. We're, if you can't perform that, I, stuff I believe done. that big navy is going towards the direction of caring about mental health. It's it just going to take some time for it to 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 show that. I know we all have lived through different times and generations, but I have faith that big navy is on board with this mental health crisis. It's going to take time, like I said. I, I, be patient. And- I will. I would, I would, I would be, I would be more enthused by that whole statement if I see, 
if I see actions fall behind those, and that's and that's just gonna take time. It's just gonna take time. But how? But how long? Okay, okay. But how long is time though? Because right now we're in we are in 2023, and I know when I was when I when I got to uh, not not oh yeah night night Hawaii right. I got the Naya Hawaii. People who are trying to get mental health appointments are getting told, like, you know, there's not an appointment ready for like, next two Listen, months. Listen, exactly. it is, is it is sad. And you know what? If you in my first episode of this podcast, I talk about, uh, you know, two months is good, right? In comparison to the people who are reporting six to eight to ten months wait time to see a provider, like the demand for mental health care in the Navy and in the military right now is real. And and big Navy and big military, right? We cannot support that. So I don't know what that timeline looks like. And that's precisely why I am, I've created this platform, right? It's for us to do what we can organically to support one another. But I, I'm not going to lose faith. I will not say, and I'm encouraging everybody else, do not lose faith that our military does not care about us because I know at the end of the day they do, but it's just going to take some time for them to, to really get us where we need to be. I, I mean, I feel like they're doing the best yeah. they can with yeah. what they got. Right. Cause they, so ultimately we are exactly. military. We're, we're, we are, we've signed a contract to do a job and you know, the job is defending, you know, defending our country, whatever. Right. So you have to be the tip top shape, but at the same time, you got to play devil's advocate, but okay. But are you really doing enough? Because, if they're downsizing a lot of like, a lot of organizations, whatever, right, and the resources are limited, and you're more, you're, they, they are more inclined to get you a professional that is assigned within the military confines. Like you have to see a doctor that is hired by Tricare. Oh, you're not Tricare. I'm sorry, not Tricare. But like within the military hospital installation, why not? Okay, just refer them out in town. Like I, like my first, my very first th- therapist was an immediate referral right. out in town. So I got lucky with that. I will admit that. I got lucky right. with that. I mean, you know and, what? I, I want to say not? this too, right? Is I think that the military healthcare network, and I guess I can only speak to the Navy. Well, you know what? Actually, I can speak to the Army and the Air Force because I've been at bases um, that have been primarily Air Force and primarily Army and then primarily Navy, right? I think all around for the military, it's just uh, an issue that we have to take into consideration that some of us don't think big picture, right? Is that these mental health care providers, these doctors with these PhDs in this field, there's only so many in the world. And there's a smaller group that is okay with, with, working with the military, right? I don't know what these what these uh, pay scales look like, what the jump is for working in the private sector, but I think a lot of us, right, just naturally human nature are motivated by um, monetary gain, right? So regardless of mm-hmm. what the reason is, um, I actually, I, I'll, I'll go back and, and find the study but I was doing some research on mental health care and the lack of providers in the military. And what that research showed me was that a lot of mental health care providers, right, these qualified people don't take the jobs in the militaries because they don't pay enough. So we really have to take a look. Well, I say we, but I'm not in that in that category, right, because I'm not part of the big wigs that make those decisions. They, they really have to take a look and prioritize mental health care and, and maybe put more money towards the professionals who need to be here to help us. 
and and not not trying to change new uniforms over and over again every two years. Right, right. Just right. saying, and also, and also get better supply ch- contracts where we're not pay- paying fifty bucks for a ballpoint pen that costs. Right, and cents. you know what? Like I said, it's just, it's just gonna take time. It's gonna take time, and. I probably won't see it right in my generation. I mean, you've already retired. You you haven't seen it. So, but all I can do is hold on to hope and have faith that, you know, as long as we continue to speak up, right? That they will hear us and implement this change. But until then, I I will continue to say like, let's continue to support each other and share our own stories on how we have been able to navigate this system and come out on top because you've done it. You've done it. Yeah, I, can, I, can, I can honestly say I lucked yeah. out. With mental, the mental health side or portion of it, I can honestly say that I had a phenomenal experience with my therapist because, um, like, again, I saw Rebecca Moore out in Hillcrest, San Diego, if y'all want to look her up, uh, um, she really made an impact on my life. I'm glad, I'm so glad I met her and I talked to her and I, I shared all all my stuff about the about the stuff that was going on at the time. But as I was about to transfer, there was another new obstacle that came around that came around the corner, and that created a whole another new conflict of issues in, in my life. And me being as senior as I was at the time now, because I think this is my this is my 17 year mark, like my 16 year mark. I had admirations for being like, you know, I was shooting for chief. I want, like, well, at the, at the time I had like the energy to like really focus on trying to make chief and all just like all this other stuff, like drinking the cooler, the who y'all Navy and everything lifestyle, you know, having tattooed across my, ch- my chest of the, you know, the sailor's creed and whatnot. But at this time I'm, now, I'm, now I'm just kind of feeling defeated because now I'm sitting in San Diego and I'm on shore duty. And now I want to go back to sea because if I get sea duty, I can go back to the East Coast and be close to the kids, but I try to. I try to. The moment, the moment it, when the kids left and they moved away, I I immediately dropped it like a thirteen oh six to terminate short duty early to go back to sea as a CTR one with all the NECs I have. I have four NECs. So you are highly NECs qualified are as a CTR one. Super yeah. highly qualified as a CTR one for what was on message traffic repeatedly like every six months they would come out and say hey we are in dire need of ctr ones to hold these necs i was like oh i yeah. got that oh i got that oh i got that so i would submit 1306s to go out to see and the seal at my command was telling me no mm-hmm. like he was not he was not endorsing it and then i tried to do what i did before as far as you know the whole backdoor deal type stuff which led me into a further depression because you know why the man who was making the decisions is someone who I cross-rated with back in 2009. I'm not going to say who this person is. They know who they are. He is my homeboy. And he absolutely told me no. And the reason why he told me no was because he wanted me to make chief. He wanted me to excel in my career. And he felt like going in that direction was not going to, was not going to do that. So instead of sending me to a ship that I was required to do, I was on my sea rotation he even said it like when we first the day, first day we talked that hey man I can't send you I can't send you back to shore back to back shore you got to pick a ship so I did all the ships on the east coast instead he sent me to shore duty Hawaii oh. why the hell after I told you my whole story the whole situation I'm currently in and the fact that I am a dire need sailor for ships in the navy 
requesting my presence, would you send me to shore duty Hawaii to do absolutely nothing? And that point, that's when I was done. That's why I mentally checked out. Yeah. I was, I think I was like 17 years yeah. in, 18 years in. That's when I mentally checked out. Like I had a good run. Yeah. I had a good run. Like the whole, like, you know, drinking a Kool-Aid again, like I said, Loving the military, loving the Navy, loving like everything I was doing. I, you know, I would never knock on it. I would never discourage the but, military. But at I this point, so you said, you know what? I, it's time for me to just focus on me. I've given all that I can give at this point to the Navy. If this is what I have to do, if I have to go to shore duty Hawaii, then that's what I have to do. But I am going to focus on me, right? Basically, in a nice yeah. summed up way we can we, we can we can go mm -hmm. with that uh <laughs> all i can say is we got there you got the bare minimum out of me as far as work wise now again just work wise i was still me though i was still me i was still you know like you know boisterous and whatever like even though i was upset i was mad i was disgruntled i was all that stuff but i told myself he's like you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take it out on the sailors that are around me. I, I'm not going to take it out, per se, on a Navy itself. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to show up on time in the correct uniform at the appropriate time or right. where I'm out of trouble. Exactly. I will, I will be where I'm supposed to be at when I'm supposed to be there. But what my main focus at the time was going to be is going to be on the sailors. And, and yourself, I, right? Because you continued with your mental health treatment yeah yeah so I, I continued the mental health treatment and me helping the sailors was kind of assisting with the right mental health as it always because, has right in your whole story right yeah. in the history of your time in the navy that has always been the way that you flourished is by helping others because i i I hate to see people. Right. I hate to. Pe I hate to see people suffer. You know, they're not having. Like, they're not enjoying what's going on at at, at work or going like just in overall in life. Like, there might be something more there. So like, let's, let's, let's find out what that is. Let's, let's let's help them out. So I made sure that was be that was gonna be my main job in Hawaii. Don't give a dang about the mission. Don't give a dang about your you know whatever stuff that goes on in that building. I didn't care. I care about the people that was in that building all the while. Making sure I take care of myself. Because, like, yes, I'm in a tropical island. There's beautiful water. There's great food and all that stuff. Every single day I was there, I was hating every day I was there. Because the constant reminder that I'm two dozen more miles away from my kids, which I shouldn't have been. Because what should have had happened with all the prerequisites I have and the qualifications I have, the Navy should have sent me back to a ship. And I could have been easily been on the East Coast. Anyone right. the East worst, Coast, the worst decided, case scenario happened with your situation, and there's really, the there's case. really not a well justified reason for it. So, like, yes, that is definitely mm -hmm. an adversity within itself, and I totally relate to you feeling like, you know what, I've gave so much. Like, this is my twilight tour. I've given so much to this organization. Like, this, this is just it's such a blow, you know. So. I think a lot of us can relate to that and, and validate right in how you felt, but like what's most important is how you got through that. And yeah, but you know, you know, you're right because like, but with dealing with that, I didn't want to leave the Navy high and dry mm -hmm. per se. Mm -hmm. Right. Because 
when I got to when I got to when I got to the building, I see that there's so many junior sailors there that have no idea what the what the Navy is truly like. And when no you idea. say junior sailors, like and, you're talking about sailors that are fresh out of boot camp and A school, like that. That's who you're interacting with every day. Right, yeah. right, exactly. And I took it upon myself, like you know what? These guys, like they they need something. They need a Phillips. I was like, you know what? They gonna get Phillips. They 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 gonna they gonna get this mother effer, right? Everybody needs. So that's I made that I, I made I made that my own personal mission, and I call them, I, I I even created my own division. I was I was an N three like I forgot N two whatever whatever the heck it was called, but I call my division the Black Ops division because people was asking like, what's Black Ops? Like what what is like like don't it's classified. Don't worry about that. But the Black Ops division is basically me just caring for the sailors but not only just caring like you know asking how the day is going blah 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 blah. but i am asking like hey so what cloud do you gonna work on oh do you need help doing this cloud of doing do you know how to look up the instruction for this it, it was so crazy to Teaching, me how training, a lot of these sailors did not know how yeah. to look up instructions all this stuff like like like, like, like the answers that you have is like literally a google search like like one of the things that we used to joke around one of the ps is like if we didn't know something we would say google it and sure enough, it was the answer was there. It led us straight to it, and that was like that was kind of like an inside joke. And then like I just applied that to for everything. And so I, I just taught them like, hey, this is where you go yeah. to find instructions for like you know the proper uniform. Right, and sometimes for you don't know your, what your, you your, don't know. Your, and as leaders, right, yeah. as as senior first classes and and senior members of the military and the navy, like yeah, it's it is our duty to make sure that we do give back and we teach these junior sailors what what they need to succeed. And if that means, you know, enabling them and empowering them to, to find these answers on their own on a Google search, then, then that's what it is that we have to do. But your, your influence is so much more powerful than that. And I know you're going to get into it. Well, one, one of the most toxic, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's toxic. One of the most toxic things I noticed is the fact that, you know, these junior guys and these, these rates, these ratings that are easily advanceable, like you know, they, they just they come they come in as an E one, and within like a year and a half, they're already E five. Right. Yeah. They almost like, you know, like almost E five already. I will see them get guidance to do something that's military related, and they like they like the the person who's getting that guidance, like the per the person who's being asked to do something, will get response back saying like, "Well, okay, I'm fine. I'm getting ahead of myself." They would basically say, "But how do you do this?" And the other person who's giving them the task in is like, you're an E5. You should already know this. I was like, bro, right. this, this sailor's been in the Navy for four right. days. Right. And we, you know what? We <laughs> could get into so many com long conversations about that. It's like, it's a systemic issue, especially within these highly, quickly advanced um, rating fields that we don't get the proper or adequate yeah. um, training that we need to succeed in the position that we're in. So it's like, but yeah. But imagine how that person feels right. though. Imagine how that person feels. Can now they feel like worthless? Like they, they, they don't deserve that rank because they don't it's, know it's something about that they should know at their, at their, at their, at their pay grade level. They, 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 they right. don't know it's it. So now that person is like stressing over it and all this other stuff. It just snowballs yep. it out, of, out, of, out of control. It does. It plays a factor in your confidence and your capability and your belief in yourself to perform at this level that's expected of you because not everybody, not everybody has it within themselves to seek out that that to seek out what they need or to know what to seek out what they need. Like 
And that's okay, right? That's okay because we're in this military organization and what is expected and required of us is in it's in black and white. So so it just creates it fosters an environment, right? When you're when you advance so quickly, which is okay, right? But when you don't have the help and the support, right? Support again of somebody who's going to bring you up to that level, that's when it starts to take a toll on your mental health. If you if you are not asking questions, you are doing yourself a disservice. If you are if you are adamant about like not trying to, to uh, rattle ruffle anybody's feathers or step on anybody's toes or anything like that, all because you feel like you don't know something, and you don't want to be a burden to people, you're doing yourself a disservice. And if you got that pride stuck in your head that you don't want to ask because you're too prideful to do so, do so. There's a quote that a man told me in a movie called Pope Fiction. All right. Marcellus Wallace said this quote and I will never live it down because you know what? It speaks truth. He said, you're going to feel a slight sting in the back of your head. That's pride effing with you. F pride. It will only get you killed. Mm-hmm. And that, if you really think about it, there's a lot of truth to that. Some, mm-hmm. Like sometimes you got to bunk it down. It's like, you know what? Hey, I don't know this either. You got, can I, can I, can you show me where I can learn this answer? Can you help me? Can you show me how to do it? Or it's, what, like, what, can, what can we do here? And I, I'm more I'm more on the side of if you teach a man how to fish, they would eat for a lifetime type of way. If you, if you, like, if you teach them, they should, they're should good to go type stuff. Don't feed a man a fish. Don't do it for them and be like, okay, yeah, it's done. You're good to go. No, teach them where to go, how to do it, and all that stuff. But, yeah, but you got to put in that work and the effort to sit down with them. But you don't want them to be, feel like an idiot for not knowing something that they, they – they are technically, you're going to quote unquote say they're supposed to know because of that pay grade. But no, they didn't get the proper training to lead up to that point. And that's, and, that, that's and our so job to do that. It is. And so to bring the conversation back to, you know, your time and your influence and your impact in this Twilight tour that you had in Hawaii, it's like you were that person that these people needed. You you were key. And I can attest to that because I see it. And to this day, you know, I get the feedback saying like, oh, you know, Phillips taught me so much. I miss him around here. You know, he really lifted the spirits around here and built morale. I'm so grateful for him. Like, like that was awesome. And I love that you were there for them. And we need more people like that. It's currently, it's currently since uh, Saturday, February 4th. I've been retired since October 31st. Tell me why I can show you my phone right now. And I still got people hitting me up, asking me questions about, like, hey, how do you do this? Like, blah, blah, blah. I, I've been retired for five months. I'm still getting messages from people from the building saying, oh, you know, how's it going? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, by the way, hey, how'd you do this? Like, I was like, oh, did you, did you look at this instruction for that? Blah, 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 blah. I've been, at, I've been at the game for five months. But did I hit the, did I hit the ignore button? No. I was like, no, just, just, just help them out. I show them where to find the answer. And then from there, they got to go. They got to go about it their own way. I can't tell them how to do it, but this is what the instruction mm-hmm. says. Is this is this that simple? Is this is this that's this care? A little effort of yep. care. It goes along, it goes care and support. But um, but for me personally, when I was there, I was mad like every day. Every day I was I was just mad. But what I say before, do not bring that anger into work. So I I set up I set up a Tricare again. I got hooked up with another therapist and. We had a a rough start to say the least because she was no Rebecca Moore. She was she was just she just wasn't. 
So I had, so again, like I said about the, the first club I had when I was a PS, I had to find her niche. I had to find out how can I communicate to her that helps me. And we did find that niche. I'm not going to say what it is because, you know, whatever. But we found we found our niche. And so we got the ball rolling to help me adjust with my situation as far as me being there. Because I'm upset. I, I, I'm upset that the, the fact that I am at a place I'm, I should not be at. And I'm reading message traffic. I'm reading all these bulletins saying, oh, we're in dire need of a CTR1 and go to the USS Mayport, whatever, whatever, in Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's Florida. And I meet all these uh, prerequisites, and they didn't send me there. You're having a hard time accepting why you're in the position and the place that you're in. Exactly. So perfectly normal. So my, my outlet was just take care of sailors. Just for, you know, yep. what, just, just cause I, cause it's, there's, there's nothing I can do at this point. That's going to change anything. So what can I do proactively that will benefit other people? And I can make, I can make a difference, even though I was in a crappy situation, but at that point, there's nothing I can do about it. There's, there's, but there's you nothing. were still working on yourself, right? By going to therapy and talking through this stuff with your therapist. If I, if I didn't have a therapist, and can I, and then I double dipped. Actually, then I double dipped. I got a I got a therapist, and like when the therapist was kind of working with like with the, the depression side of it, sure, she did a great, phenomenal job. But the anger was still frigging lurking, and I and I crap you not, when I got scheduled to go see a psychiatrist, on our first very first meeting, I felt like he was the ancient one from Doctor Strange and put his thumb on my forehead, and I just saw the world differently. Everything just opened up to me. He put things in a way that I never thought and saw before, and I I cried. He like the more like, when he put that thumb on my forehead and he said some things to me, it just triggered me and I bawled my eyes out. It was, it was such a great feeling, which again now before I said I'm gonna wear a t-shirt saying I support mental health blah 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 blah. Now I want to get a tattoo on my back. I want to get a tattoo on my chest in four different languages. I want to say, go see a therapist and then go see a psychiatrist. Go do all that stuff. Right. Anything, right. anything mental health related wise, go see it all. Do it all. Yes. Do it all. Do it Take all. Take care of yourself. Absolutely. Because I'm telling you right now, had I not have done it, the anger was going to take its toll. So the best thing that you can do for yourself is to get the help and the care that you need. Absolutely. Absolutely, because it would do wonders for yourself in the long run. Because even to this day, what last time I saw Rebecca Moore was 2019. To this day, it's 2023. I still remember things that she taught me during our sessions, and mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still thankful for it. So clearly, there is a, a good path for it, right? Now, right. this is not this is not, but this is not to say that depression, anger, and all the anxiety and all that stuff is not going to get cured. It's going to live with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And there is no ultimate cure for it. Right. But it, they give you the tools and the lessons to mitigate it. To right. Like, it's how the, you deal with it, how you cope with it, and how you triumph through those inevitable experiences that really help you build your resiliency and your mental toughness to get through these things. Because at the end of the day, that we're trying to triumph through all this diversity and all that stuff that we got to go through to make sure we still support the mission. At the end of the day, 
you matter and and the mission matters. Both things not, can if, equally exist. It, they can. And if not the mission, then what's most important is you because you matter. Okay, so to sum it all up, I I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being willing to come on and be vulnerable and share your own personal seat of triumph with us. And so I, I just wanted to recap, right, what what I've learned personally from your story is that, you know, you came in the Navy right after high school, you know, just, just like me, right? I can relate to that. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to just get away from home and do your thing. So, but you were met with, right, obstacle after obstacle after obstacle when it came to adjusting, but you kind of found a way to adapt to that and get through all that by your, your, you know, innate ability to just, just exude, you know, your personality and positivity and bring people together, which is awesome because I know that that had a tremendous impact in every single unit that you worked with. But then you were met with a situation in your personal life that you could not have foreseen coming, that that hit you hard, that brought you to your lowest of your lows. And you got depressed and you you thought about, you know, ending it and you considered suicide, which is so devastating. But it's very important to talk about because you were able to come back from that and you shared with us that that the reason that you were able to come back from that was because of the support that you had from the people who you built up with you, right? Who you created a sense of unity and teamwork with, who you who you put your infectious personality on. And those same people supported you and took you out of this negative situation, this really deep, dark spot that you were in. And they were able to help you see that you did matter and that it wasn't time to end your life and that people did care about you and that you had a purpose and an impact on their life, on your life, on your family's life and in the future. So you, yeah, you triumphed through that and you were able to get the therapy and the mental health treatment that you needed and that you deserved through the mental health system while not perfect, right? You, you, you were able to get it and you got there and that prepared you, right? To face your second or, or even third, you know, piece of adversity later in your career, right? 17 years in, you wanted to be closer to your kids because they were taken away from you due to operational commitments in the Navy, which, which sucks, right? It's very unfortunate. And I think anybody would um, with kids would relate to that just being a terrible situation. Just the, the fact that you, you were sent to this place, you know, 2000 miles away without a really justifiable explanation, like at the twilight end of your career, after all you've done for the Navy, that was really hard to endure. But you know what, you took that blue, that blow head on. And you persevered, right, you triumphed through that by the same coping mechanism that you always did is by being that light in the room, by by finding your purpose to help other people and bring them up out of the darkness that they were facing by saying good morning, by just, like I said, being the light in the room, being that positive influence. And not only that, but knowing that it was okay to continue your mental health treatment. So like, that's an amazing story. And honestly, that's one of the more unique 
um, coping mechanisms that I've heard when dealing with this, but still very valuable. And not only does it provide perspective to somebody who may be going through something similar that you went through, but it also provides a perspective to every single leader, not just in the military, but everywhere, right? It provides this perspective of how important it is for you to be supportive of your people, to to know what they're going through, to care what they're going through, and to support them through what they're going through. So I am so happy that you shared your story. And I, I just, I know that it's going to have a tremendous impact on our audience. So with that being said, I just want to um, give you the opportunity to provide any last minute, you know, words of wisdom or advice or anything to our viewers that is going to help them um, remain resilient and strong. If you have an issue, do not keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. If you feel like, you know, that you feel a certain kind of way about the particular issue and you have some, if there's somebody, anybody, anybody within your structure that you trust, that you can confine in them, and hopefully they can do something for you, speak to them. If there isn't, go to medical, go go seek something. There are answers out there, military one source. And, and, and then there's, there's like other, there's other avenues you can go to and make phone calls as far as getting something done for yourself to make sure that you are taken care of. We have so many opportunities to seek help and, and, and just stuff that can help you take care of yourself, whether it be a, a mentor from a previous command or, you know, a friend from a previous command, anything, anything you could possibly do to help you out. I, I really, really suggest you take advantage of that. Um, find things that distract you in a positive way. My, my positive attraction was helping sailors and make sure like I, I paid it forward and I did something impactful and positive. That's, that's, that's me per- personally. I'm not saying that as for everyone. Not everybody can do the same thing. Maybe your positive impact is maybe work harder and do something, just focus on the mission or focus on your job or whatever the case may be. Or maybe your positive impact is do something for an environment. You know, whatever, whatever the case may be, do something for yourself that is more, that is something positive and uplifting don't don't turn to the dark side all, all at the end of the day is just take care of one another every you don't know what other people are going through it's like you may you may talk to someone and they may give you like a snippy attitude they may give you some kind of like snarky response or whatever but it may not doing that because that's a character they may, they may be doing that because they just found that their grandma died like last night or you know their the, the cat twinkles died last night or something 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 tragic you just never know you never know what's going on with another sailor that's why saying good morning and hey how you doing how's your night how's it going was all that stuff is valuable information that is that that is that breach because you want to know what's going on so one you understand what's going on in their lives and then once they respond to some 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 maybe might be tragic you can understand you could probably sit there and talk have a talk with them about it and like engage with them, see how they're doing, how they go, how they're capable of handling it, provide for them the resources. Like, hey, this is out of my this is out of my jurisdiction, but I can help you and guide you in a direction where you may get some additional assistance. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, I'm saying a, a good morning will change someone's life. You have no idea how impactful the subtle things in life of the human decency will change <laughs> someone's life. I have too many stories to say about that yeah. on this podcast, but. If anybody would continue to talk to me personally, now that I'm retired, uh, I'm I'm, reti- I'm retired I'm retired now, right? So I don't really I'm not really do much. But I'm a full time streamer on Twitch and YouTube and whatnot, making content over there, doing like cliche gaming stuff, or whatever. 
Uh, my name is Akira Five for One over there. It's A K I R A Five for One. You can find me on Twitter in the same handle. And you know what? I engage with people over there the whole time, and I have the same the same exact talks with random people over there too. Because there's people I meet in the military that come into my streams. We just talk about random stuff, and sometimes it get hot and heavy. And I have no problem talking about it because you know what? If you want to trauma dump on me, we're gonna talk about it. I'm not gonna like discourage it. I'm not gonna like no because like sometimes people have like a way. Uh, some some people express themselves differently that you're maybe not be a customer used to, but it's always good to play a caution to it because you never know. You just, you just never know. So just let's listen. I got to just listen and talk it out. It's as simple as that. It, it costs you nothing. It costs you nothing to listen and talk it out. Um, Cause we all we all in this together. We're on it. We're all shipmates. We all like you know we serve and we gotta take care. We gotta look out for another one another. It's kind of like a brotherhood sisterhood type thing. We just gotta look out for one another. Take care of one another, regardless of the rank. An introvert or extrovert, like you said, it costs nothing, right? It costs nothing to be kind. So at the end of the day, just be kind. Be kind to your teammates. Be kind to your shipmates. Be kind to your you know, your fellow service members, be kind to your coworkers, just be kind in general, because you never know what anybody's going through. And you also said, right, and I always say this, we're all in this together. So remember that. And if you want to reach out to Phillips here, or Jason, or Akira 541, you know, I will, I will put his contact information in this episode description so you can feel free to reach out to him and he will support you, as he said. So will the Seeds of Triumph podcast. I will also put our contact information in the episode description, seedsoftriumph.podcast at gmail.com. Additionally, if you're looking for a list of mental health resources, I have a link to a document that provides several useful mental health resources um, for your use. So again, Jason Phillips, Akira 541, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I think you've had a lot of good content to provide. And yeah, I really appreciate you for being here. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Seeds of Triumph and a special thanks to our guest, Jason, for coming on and sharing his own personal seed of triumph. If you are struggling with your mental health, please visit the link in our episode description for a list of resources that can help you. Additionally, we can be contacted at seedsoftriumph.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again and hope you tune in next week. Views expressed by the speaker and all guests are not those of the Department of Defense, United States Navy, or any other government agency. They are strictly those of the speakers who do not speak for any other organization or entity. The speakers are not mental health professionals and do not intend any of the content of this podcast as mental health advice. If you need professional mental health advice, please seek out your closest military or civilian mental health providers immediately.